Another episode of Gundam at MAHQ. I'm Sobro Ryu, and this is episode 85. That's right, man. It's it's 85. Like we're Doc and Marty. We're about to about to head back into the past to some of our glorious episodes. My um cohorts are also here. Um, we have Chris. Yo. And we also have Neo. I am now a count of Explosia. I received my uh, I received my 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 count title the other day. I visited mm-hmm. Survey and his uh, palatial mansion of a out there in the Grand Island of an Explosia. So, it's the smallest uh, self-contained uh, nation there is. It's even smaller than the Vatican. So. <laughs> Consider yourself royalty now. The royalty no, of... I, I wish. Oh, I wish. man. You're so, just... Survey, as you're listening to this, remember. Mm-hmm. You know, these two guys are communists. Me, true American. So, I want to pu- push the button. Well, we finally have a true American among us. Nice. But um, in this episode, we are not we, we, in our first um, in our first segment. We're going to uh, finally start our Pat Labor Roundup as we uh, review the uh, initial OVA series. That's the first seven episodes of the OVA series for uh, Mobile Police Pat Labor. And in our second segment, we're going to finally get to the segment we promised you so many episodes ago. Um, just one, one, oh, episode. one episode yeah. ago, but it, it feels like an eternity since. But uh, the uh, the senpai discussion, where we talk about some of uh, some of our favorite and maybe not so favorite uh, senpais that have shown up in um, mecha anime throughout the years, ones that uh, we've enjoyed and and other ones too. But uh, before we get into that, we first gotta bring you guys up to speed as uh, Neo takes us into his uh, to his news desk. Go right ahead, Neo. Well, before I start with news, listeners submitted news articles. Um, I just want to do a sad thing, and I know. Sorry, I forget your name right now. This is horrible. I feel so bad about it. But the guy that was talking with me on the thread about the the Bucks, I'm sure he'll identify with this. Uh, one of the greats of the Buccaneer, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer uh, franchise, uh, the first actual, their actual Hall of Famer. Because Steve Young's considered a Buck Hall of Famer, but he, we all know where he played. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, but uh, Leroy Selman died, and uh, oh. you know he died like suddenly. He had like a stroke, and like two days later, he was dead. So supposedly he was a really cool guy. So uh, condolences on that. And uh, I know Solbro and Chris don't like football, but they they they're sad when people die. So yeah. they uh, you know, well, well, bless him and his family. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. 
Yeah, suppose he was really he was he was a pretty cool guy off field, but uh, what, you know, their first real great player, and he'll be probably joined in the Hall of Fame here shortly with you know by Derek Brooks and those guys. So that, that's it. But uh, to happier news, happier news, and. Once again, uh, you can always post your articles on the NEOS Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Mecca Talk uh, forum. And the first one here is from Wielder. And this article is coming from the Anime News Network. And this shows us that uh, times are tough. So, um, you know, animators are having to take other jobs here. And um, Kunio Arkawara, you know, you know who he is, right? We've all mm-hmm. heard of him. Um, ben Never Duet. heard of the guy. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea who you're talking about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He, he, he's, I don't like he's, him. Get out of here. He's, he's famous for doing uh, the Gundam and especially doing the F91 for the last 15 years. No doubt. But, uh, <laughs> well, he's uh, he got a new job where he uh, he actually uh, designed a little mascot for a city, and oh. it's called Bosma Robo, and it's a it looks like kind of like a granny. Uh, it, it looks like a granny that's made into like a dom. <laughs> <laughs> And she has like a meat cleaver on there, and uh, she's the robot mascot for Minime, Unima City, and Nagata Prefecture. So hopefully Ooh. I didn't destroy that too much, but you know, <laughs> send your hate mail anyways. And um, it's the mascot's name is Basma Robot, which means Baba Sama, m- meaning old lady. So um, kind of, and her specialty weapon is the Kiraza, which is a um, a local specialty food made from minced pickle vegetables and fermented soybeans. Mm, yum. Oh God, fermented soybeans! Oh, wow, not so. Oh God, that's oh. <laughs> yeah, it no. doesn't. No, no, no. Doesn't doesn't sound too good, but um. It doesn't taste good, believe me. But it, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be able to see her on T-shirts and flags and stuff like that. So thank you, Mr. Wielder, for your submission there. And the next one here is actually from Gundam Type Zero, and this oh. comes from Japaninator. And I guess there now is an app for your iPhone, which is and your iPad, which is optical camouflage camera, goes to the shell SAC SSS 3D, and uh, you can basically take a picture, and then it has you kind of fade out when you replay it, like you know how they did in, in the um, in the shows and in the movies. So. Uh, yeah, sounds like a pretty cool little thing just to kind of play around with when you're drunk. And, sounds like a waste uh, of money to me. Well, it's a dollar. <laughs> it's a dollar ninety-nine. I mean, what would you rather do? Buy this or buy colors for your, uh, you know, Marvelous uh, Capcom Three? Yeah. You know, oh well, you know. You're hilarious, <laughs> the both of you. <laughs> Battered wife syndrome. Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Thank you, Mister Gundam Type uh, Zero, for your submission and. Um, you know, keep it coming. And the next one here is from Vent Noir. And, you know, Gundam Age, that, that groundbreaking Gundam show that's going to have children piloting robots. Um, <laughs> something that's never been done in the Gundam franchise before. Ever. Never, yeah. And this comes from the Anime News Network. Look at these little kids, man. I can't believe they would have little kids piloting multi-billion dollar weapons of mass destruction. But um, <laughs> it's been reported the... Um, the cast and the song performers. So I'm not going to go and destroy these names because I don't want to hear Chris uh, fall over because we need him for the rest of the show. So, But I will tell you this much, the opening theme song will be done by Jam Project. I don't know who those people are, probably a Japanese band. And uh, <laughs> the ending theme song will be Minime Kurabashi, and it's called 
Kimi no Naka and no Inu, which is the hero in you. So, um, you know, for all of uh, Gundam music fans, definitely check that out. I'm sure Bandai will put out countless soundtracks, like always. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. It's good to see you guys doing that stuff in uh, Australia. They must be giving you more yard time now. So, thank you for that. Uh, the next one here is for from. Jabman025, the self-proclaimed defender of destiny. And this is a very, very disturbing article here. Um, this comes from the Gundam Guy blog. Um, it's getting cold out, so in a lot of places. I know here where I'm living now, it got pretty cold last night. So you, sometimes you need a hoodie. Well, what would be better than a Zaku-themed hoodie? And, it's, of course, it's that great color of the Zaku's, that kind of green color there but what makes this hoodie unique is when you put the hood up it's basically the zaku head and you have your little eyes sticking out where the uh, mono eye should be so definitely check this out with the link it's got a it's a little disturbing uh i think the novelty of this would wear off probably within the first two minutes of having it so it's a it's eleven thousand five fifty yen so i don't know what the conversion ratio of that is it's what about 11 bucks or something how much uh, is that? No, that's that's over a hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, okay, sorry. I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't work in the financial field anymore. You get that. You get that. That hooded sweatshirt. You get a pair of uh, sunglasses, and you paint a mono eye on them. Yeah. Right in mm-hmm. the middle. That would put be kind of. Put on the hooded sweatshirt, and then put on those sunglasses. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. That would work. It it, it would it would work a lot better than the picture they have here, where it's just kind of some guy Japanese guy staring off in space. <laughs> yeah, that looks kind of silly. Instant cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? I'm a Zaku. Um, but um, either that or if I you're am wearing... a Zaku boy. I am a Zaku. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- thank you, Mister Jabman zero two five, self-proclaimed defender of destiny, for your submission. It's good to see you're good for something. Next one here is. From Mr. Flame X, and I, I'll give a, another post because this is, he has it's an update to uh, Destiny Gundam, everybody's favorite uh, Canadian. Um, one of his previous posts and Blood Knight never uh, he must be a new poster. So give him all credit here. So I don't want to make anybody mad. But uh, Yoko Yushi Tamino, heard of the guy? You know, uh-huh. he's uh, got a new project called G Renko. And uh, he had, it was announced in the inaugural Katakawa Shoten New Type Ace magazine uh, about a week or so ago. And uh, he's been discussing this for a while. And uh, there's also a proposed new novel project which features the space science fiction, space science concept of a space elevator. Had that been done before? Maybe Double O and some other things. But um, it's good to see uh, <laughs> Mr. Tamino doing, going, getting back into work. Hopefully this is better than Wayne Zarian. So, but anything is. So. <laughs> Things that are. Pr- I don't know. Is, is Garth is Garthy's wing better than Wings of Freyan? Woo! I'm going chronologically. He, you know, oh. yeah, you know, it's he, he set the bar low pretty with Wings of Freyan. Oh, Garthy's wing is a completely different thing. Um, so, but thank you, Mr. Flamex, for your update to Mr. Uh, Destiny Gundam and Blood Knights post. So we'll definitely be giving you. Um, so updates on the the Tamino thing, and I will once I'm sure once we uh, we see it, we'll do like we always do, and even if it's horrible, we'll say that's the greatest thing out there, and we'll have to go and buy it. So because once again, <laughs> we are horse for Bandai, 
And uh, I get back in two weeks, Bandai, so I'll be looking for those checks again. So, But uh, thank you, Just everyone. Just the one at the, the doormat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like last time. Yeah. Well, they're probably probably not much, so you don't have to worry about them getting stolen. Uh, be like, man, uh, check for 49 cents. Why do I want to steal this? Uh, <laughs> but uh, thank you, everyone, for your submissions. And like always, if you have any great news articles there, go to the Neo's Listener Submitted news articles thread in the Mecha Talk forum and the Gundam section. Uh, before we go to our first topic, we are going to be going over to the mailbag. And from what I've heard, it might be a little bit more extended because we kind of took a uh, kind of a little short break of mailbag there. So <laughs> over to Chris with, uh, you know, that, that heavy sack on his shoulder there. I'm sure he's having developing back problems already. So. Yeah, because uh, unfortunately, by doing Shinjuku Station, it wiped out the progress that we made <laughs> with the mailbag episode. Never, ever again, right? <laughs> so our first uh, litany of questions come from Mister the Gatekeeper, who uh, he, he he starts off with uh, being being a smart aleck. You know, one of these here, you guys say all of these things that will never happen, so that they do. Oh, that guy. <laughs> he's he's one of those, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're skipping that. He asks, if Solbro is the James May of Gundam, then who is Gundam's the Stig? <laughs> Man, that's a good question. Well, nobody, um, nobody test drives anything, so. <laughs> I don't know. Um, isn't the Stig mysterious? So, um, well, wait a second. We're an audio podcast, so the Stig would be counterproductive for what we would need because he doesn't speak. <laughs> Well, I, I suppose so. Um, we don't have uh, we have no need for a test pilot, so um, the stigma, our stigma, have to go wanting for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess uh, we'll, we'll just do like Dale. Maybe. Da- maybe Dale. <laughs> that, you know what? That that is true. But Dale's kind of loud though. So. Oh, that's uh, true. <laughs> once, you get Dale, right. once you get Dale speaking, he doesn't shut up. <laughs> Move, moving on. Oh, sorry, Dale. It was all in jest. You know what I mean. <laughs> Whose mullet would win in a fight, full frontals or Togusis? I have no comment because that brings me to a great thing because this past week I had seen the greatest mullet ever I've ever seen in my life. So who's, who's that, man? It was a guy at Boeing. And it oh, was dang! Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could have took a picture, but you can't just be snapping photos in the plane factory. So that's oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I'd have to defer on that because hey. I don't see. We don't know the full extent of what full frontal is yet. So mm-hmm. until we can see that, because we know what Togusa's mullet can do. That's right. That's I haven't. Right. I've only seen one one episode of what uh, full frontal's mullet can do. So all I know is they both lose to Kenny Powers. Next question. Yes, they do. Yeah. All right. Do you think that black guy dies first was revolutionary when they first used it? Oh wait, that would be the first horror movie ever made. <laughs> what a... or All right. First. Now, our next questions come from the gatekeeper, who's got a shit ton here. So, oh boy, this first one I'm just gonna read, but I'm not gonna answer because I have no answer for this. If each of the Gundam guys had their own Mega Deuces, what would they be like? What would their powers be? And if Chris and Neo fought. To the death with Solbro and King Arthur in the Big O Riser, who would win? Tip one, hit Solbro's Mega Deuce with a real rock. Tip two, watch out for the Big O Riser's steampunk chair toss and sudden pizza impact attacks. What? <laughs> he's, he's quite the comedian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Gundam, why do you think that there is such a nerd stereotype? Example being, nerds are all these ultra-wimpy, socially awkward, glasses-wearing guys who spend all day in a dark room playing WoW. I mean, my whole life is one big anime reference, but I'm almost nothing like that stereotype because I don't recall ever watching gatekeepers in a freaking dark room. What do you think people have against the stereotype? Why do they just indiscriminately hate on the obscure? So get sack is stupid because the major's hair is purple, yet they, like you said, will watch the same family guy over and over. They equal them bastards that insult the major. Um, stereotypes exist because people like to insult other people. I mean, that's, that's just yeah, the way it is. And, and in some ways, some of those stereotypes were true in the past. And also, too, there's always to, some true. There's always a yeah. little truth in every stereotype. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing too is a lot of times when people make fun of stuff, they do it because they don't understand it. So you know, it's easier sometimes just to ridicule something you don't understand. So and for all of the people that uh, whose lives go against the stereotype, there's always unfortunately some that reinforce. Yeah. And those are the ones that always get the attention. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I defer to YouTube. Yeah, heart and soul. <laughs> heart and soul guy. Yeah, we see plenty of examples of those stereotypes being perpetuated on there. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're always, the stereotypes are always going to stand out because um, the people who probably are noted or are referenced the most um, as representatives of their fandom are usually fit those stereotypes to a T. So it, it's kind of hard to beat those stereotypes. You're always going to run into people who are against stereotype. And for the most part, most of us are. It's just that, you know, we all might, uh, in a bit, share traits of that stereotype, but don't fit it, you know, dead on. So, you know, it, it's, it's, thing is, it's uh, nothing always, you can it's, do. It's never hard to find someone who will reinforce the stereotype if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm black and I do enjoy watermelon and chicken, but that don't mean that's the only thing I eat. <laughs> like, you know, I if, whenever if I see if I see cops at a Dunkin' Donuts and they're sitting in their car eating donuts, I, every time I see them, I'm just like, guys, why are you reinforcing the stereotype? Why? You know, I I, I I am a I am a white man, and sometimes one of the first things I do in the morning when I read the paper is I do go to the stock quotes. So I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm fitting in that stereotype too. <laughs> Hey, but I'll tell you what, man. I don't partake in chitlins. So there you go. <laughs> Against oh, shit, stereotype. <laughs> Not every Scottish person loves haggis. There are some that don't. <laughs> All but, right. Yeah. Is his next question. More with the stereotyping. Mm-hmm. Do you think anime will ever gravitate away from the stupid, angsty, depressed, rebellious teenager I know better than my parents' high and mighty mentality? Because I'm... Uso's age, Sober might call me a young Asian boy, and I sure as hell don't act like that. I realized I don't know everything a long-ass time ago. Those crying, bitchy, complaining, little trouble-making bastards make teens like me look bad. So the question would be, do you think there will ever be a better, less common portrayal of teens, or is that just adult stereotype? Well, here's the thing. You know, again, it, it's, it's a stereotype because there's truth in it. You know, yeah. at, at some point during our teenagers, we all think that our parents are losers. Mm-hmm. We act that against them. We think we know everything better than they do, and they don't know anything at all about anything. And eventually, if we're not complete retards, we realize that they were right all along. Right. Yeah. So that's just, that's not really, a, that's just reality. Yeah. I mean, but... Uh... All teenagers always have these issues with their parents, and I'm sure our parents acted the same way with their parents. Exactly. And our grandparents acted the same way with our great-grandparents. And our kids will act that way with us. It's just something that keeps happening all the time. It's just rebellious youth. That's part of, that's part of the human condition. Yeah, yep. absolutely. See. <laughs> all right. He says, 
hey, in man versus machine type media, what do you think would happen if the machines won? Which they won't. Maybe they explained it already, but I've never seen, not a big Terminator or BSG fan, an explanation for the machines plan after victory. It's always been kill the corrupt humans now. The hell are the machines going to do after they win? Machine things. Um, whatever they do in the Matrix, you know. Yeah, just see the, see the Matrix. Probably the best yeah. example of the machines winning. Yeah, they just, they just hang out. <laughs> need, need power? I don't they, know. They become the new humans, and then something else comes up to wipe them out. And remember... <laughs> Remember, the machines did not win in PSG because they ran into one one wall, and that wall was the Admiral. There you go. Unbreakable. Unbreakable, baby. <laughs> yeah, the Terminator doesn't win because of John Connor. <laughs> did the real rock guy really die at the end of Shar's counterattack? No, he survived. He, did, he discovered his Kryptonian roots. <laughs> so. After running into the real rock. And finding out he survived it. What took longer to get to the point? Aquarian or Craprica? Well, I wouldn't know because I didn't finish Aquarian, so... <laughs> I couldn't yeah, tell you. That, that kinda, yeah, I was in the same thing because I didn't finish it. I could get past the first episode, which says something about Caprica. Makes me rethink Caprica now. There <laughs> 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 is something worse. <laughs> All right. And he, almost done with Mr. The Gatekeeper, he asks, What do you think is a likelihood of the hub following in Cartoon Network's footsteps and gaining its own tsunami. Hell, perhaps CN Tsunami was just the first, <clears throat> and maybe people will be telling their children about Tsunami back in the day while said children are ignoring them and watching the hub's Tsunami. They already air Batman, Batman Beyond, Heart and Soul, G.I. Joe, and more, so it's a possibility that we can't, that we can all put those nostalgia glasses back on. Did hey, you, you just say Heart and Soul for Transformers? Or yeah, you... maybe. Oh. Maybe that's what he meant. Uh, yeah. you know, heart and soul, you know, Prime. Yeah. yeah. But it's not heart and soul because Prime is just a, you know, a way to sell kids toys. Exactly. According to the writer's Bible. Mm. So. Written 20 uh, years ago. <laughs> I would say no. I, I think we've, we've come to the end of, you know, the age of mass anime broadcastings. You still got Naruto somewhere. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of stuff here and there, but that's pretty much done. The the future clearly has moved into something far better for us as anime fans, and I think also for the companies, and that is streaming. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much where it's at. I mean, um, the cost of running a network is a, a far more expensive now than it ever was back in the late nineties. I, I think they could got, they got away with that at William Street because they bought those shows for such a low amount, and um, they're pretty much the ratings for the afternoon were crap. So um, when they started off Toonami, it was it was it was um it was new uh, new ter- uh, new territory, bringing in old shows that people probably didn't catch when they were older. I mean young, younger, and now they're back on, and it, it it kind of brought in a new audience. I think it was just a rare time in TV that that actually worked. But yeah, nowadays, um, to be honest, I don't think it works. Even with the hub, I see what they're trying to do, and um, I think the reason why they can rare those shows is because um, they already own them pretty much lock, stock, and barrel. Um, that they can air those shows without having to pay much out uh, to uh, to to other parties involved, but um, I don't know if that'll last or if the channel will be a hit or if it is a hit. And um, I think streaming is the future. It's pretty much easy to do, and you watch whatever shows you feel like watching, whenever you want to watch them, whenever and, you want them. You know, it gives all of these companies like Funimation, Viz, whoever, it gives them much better tracking tools to see yeah. what's popular. And we've seen this happen already that. Some of these licensing companies like Funimation, they look at the numbers for the streaming 
of these shows and decide mm-hmm. if they're going to do a full physical release of them on DVD and Blu-ray. Yes, it's a new model and it 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 seems to be working. And and just like Chris said, it um. It, it allows these companies to get much more direct numbers when it comes to that. And I'm with you, Gatekeeper, man. I, I, I miss the motif that, uh, that, uh, the, the vibe that Tsunami had in the early days of Adult Swim. Because of your nostalgia. Well, no, I like the bumps. I like, um, pretty much whoever set the style up for those blocks. Really, that's the thing I really miss about those blocks is, is, the, is the style, the bumps, the, um, the kind of the attitude that it had, and um, it, it was it's an era in time that you know we'll never get back. But um, I, I, I'll jump on YouTube every so often and, and and look up old clips or see bumps that people make on their own, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, we'll never get this back. But it's kind of cool that people are, are perpetuating this still. So, uh, uh, what what can you what can you do? All right, and his his last question. Mm-hmm. Has it ever pissed you off when American movies come out and they seem uncannily similar to an anime but most normal people then just dismiss the anime as some stupid cartoon version of said movie i.e. I forced one of my acquaintances to watch the original Ghost in the Shell at gunpoint and his response <laughs> was that movie sucked, it was so boring It was. it's just freaking surrogates Oh. then when Limitless came out I thought god damn this, this drug is TI-970 from Full Metal Panic and this dude is Takuma Kugayama I know I'm forgetting a few, though. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, I don't care because idiots are idiots. You know, if, if, I, if, if I knew someone who, uh, who watched Ghost in the Shell and they said that it was stupid and it was just surrogates, then I would just dismiss them as a fool. I don't care. Yeah, because have you, you know, seen surrogates? No, I haven't, and I don't intend to. Yeah, you know? it's, 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 it's not one of Bruce's better old movies. The, the idiocy... Well, most movies these days he just does for a paycheck, so... Yeah. The idiocy on their part does not impact my enjoyment of something, so if some idiot says that, uh, oh, Macross Plus is just a ripoff of stealth, then they're an idiot, and I don't care. <laughs> and then you got the uh, the Lion King slash Kimba the White Lion debate. But, um, yeah, or the, a... uh, the Atlantis slash um, Nadia debate. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, things... things... I, when it comes down to it, a thing, uh, these movies always get inspiration from somewhere, and um, sometimes people don't respect the the source material that they, they get inspiration from. But what can you do? They're not they're not going to be receptive to it unless they come into it on their own anyway. So, well, on the flip side though, too, just because something's like it doesn't mean that they're intentionally ripping it off. Because I mean, a lot of these people may have never even seen these things, and there's only a uh, there's only a finite amount of ideas out there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's... People are going it, to independently discover yeah. the same things on their own yeah. without the influence of something else. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, let's see. Our next question comes from Lita Grimangel, who says, Hello, guys. I have only one question. If you could make a time capsule with mecha anime for generations to come to be open in 100 years, what series will each one of you include and why? Oh, wow. Well, that's simple. Uh, clearly, M.D. Geist. <laughs> no, and, and, and part two, colon, Death Force. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, also, uh, the fundamentals. Garzy's <laughs> Wing. Yeah. Garzy's Wing. Robotech uh, Shadow yeah. Chronicles. Oh. <laughs> Tales of Neo Bison Well. Uh, Gundam Seed Destiny. <laughs> forget, forget putting an Orbat Ladumbai. We're just going to put in everything. <laughs> um... 
Well, th no, th because this time capsule will be a warning from history. No Don't ever do this. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, uh, see how our society failed? It was because of this crap. <laughs> Southern Cross. Oh. Um, Aquarion? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and what's that other show you hate to dip? Um, Dragon. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good. Uh, Ouch! <laughs> a warning from history. <laughs> Might as well just slap radioactive on the side of that cancel uh, capsule. <laughs> uh, people won't even bother opening it. But um, man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, that time capsule would uh, initially would not have been uh, done as a time capsule. It was just somebody trying to bury that shit to get it away from them, and then it's found. It's found a hundred years later, and they're thinking it's a time capsule. Wow! Look at all this stuff from the past. <laughs> <laughs> the past was garbage. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, it, it, the whole, in all truth, the true oh, answer uh, is um, Star Wars prequels. Oh, <laughs> damn! Insult to injury, dude. <laughs> I mean, the true answer to this, we probably answered a million other times beforehand. You know, with our with our with the animes that we'd suggest that for people to check out. I mean. What we, what we can't say, the fundamentals like uh, Macross and, and the Gundam franchise, you know, for the uh, at least certain key uh, series Bad in the Gundam franchise. Singer you'd have to put in there. Yeah, uh, oh. you know, some so pretty much stuff from every era, like uh, Magenzer and... Gigantor. Um, Gigantor, yeah. Uh, just, you know, just, uh, just, I guess, a representation of that. But, um, I mean, we, we've, we've kind of answered this question at least once or twice over beforehand of, of, uh, of shows that we would recommend to people. And... Um, yeah, uh, I'd have to say Super Dimension Fortress Macross and uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. That would be my uh, the the obvious picks to put in there first off. Oh, and don't forget in that bad time capsule, second season of Double O. No doubt. So. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, comments on this one? No. Okay. Moving on. K one seventy three says, "Hey folks, a question more about podcast production than anime. Have you guys ever recorded a segment and then scrapped it intentionally?" not accidentally due to technical mishap because you didn't like how the final recording turned out, went on too long, totally lost direction slash focus, verbal fights broke out, not fit for public consumption, etc. <laughs> and re-recorded the segment to something more you're liking. Or you just let it all hang out and except for some minor edits, release them as is all the time. Well, you just answered your own question there. <laughs> We're like radio. We do it as is. If it's bad or if it's good, it's what you get. Yeah. I, I can only think of one time where that might have happened, and we stopped it five minutes in, and we we just started it over. That, other than that, and that was a long, long time ago in the early um in the early days of Gundam. But we we just we just started the segment over, and, and yeah, but and uh, be a his, whole lot better. Yeah, but, but we never. I think his question was more like we a did whole a, segment. a whole oh, segment, a whole and segment. then we and then we heard it. Mm -hmm. Then when as we're listening to it, we're like, oh, you know, we got to do not this. at all. Yeah, yeah, we no, we, we, we never, never got that, that far. Oh, you, well, you we can't go. you can't mess up perfection. So I mean, every time we do something, it's perfect. So mm -hmm. you know, why, why we can't we can't mess with the formula? Isn't it isn't it true that I um purposely re erased the um the Iron Man um the initial Iron Man review? Well, we'll we'll, we'll say that one. <laughs> there we go. No, I thought that was just a I thought that was a tech mess up, wasn't it? It, it, it was. I'm just I'm just being I'm just being an ass. <laughs> Oh. All right. Next, <laughs> let's keep it moving. We got some questions from Seraphic who says, "This is a good one." Soulbro, no. Are there any Capcom franchises you haven't played or dislike? 
Well, um, I know there's a lot of them I haven't played. Um, some that are strictly only in Japan, like the quiz series that they've had running for years. Yeah, but the, but um, yeah, that, that, but, that, yeah, you just. But I mean, yeah, you can't do that. So. Oh yeah, but I mean, oh, I mean, I can, I can get my hands well, on the the second, if I'm what about the Part is there any that you dislike? Any that I dislike, man. Or that's just a... forever. <laughs> I, I know this question goes against the very fiber of your being. No, uh, I, as, I, I, as the beaten wife of Capcom, you know, <laughs> you you wanna you wanna find something good to say because sometimes he doesn't beat you that much. I'm not I'm not really into the Mega Man Battle Network games, to be honest with you. I I, I don't dislike them, but I've never I I just the I see them as card you games. Dislike them. Is there one that you played that you just didn't? It's not the fact of like you can't get into it. It's like if you played it and you're like, this is actively garbage. Actively dislike. Yeah. Actively dislike. Man, that's a strong word for me. Um, I I can't think of one. Um, there's some that I just don't subscribe to. Come on, come on, be be Tina Turner. Stand up to Ike. <laughs> turn turn Damn. it around against your abuser. Oh man, there's got to be at least one. I like Breath of Fire. I like um, Devil May Cry. I'm just I'm naming off. We, we know now. everything that you uh, like. It's uh, easier uh, for you to say what I you said do. don't like. Um, they don't really do sports games, so uh, I can't really attest to that. Um, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> Next uh, question, Chris. He's yeah, not- <laughs> uh, 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 let me let me think about it. Let me think about it. I'm sure I can think of one somewhere along the way. <laughs> oh, okay. God. Next question. Do you Go guys ahead. like Monster Hunter? Never played it. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not a fan of it personally. Are you not a fan or you dislike it? I've never played one. I've I never, never played, played it. Not one. Never. I can't, so I can't answer whether I dislike it or like it. I just the the concept just did. I haven't gone for. All right. Next question. What are your thoughts on Futurama? Oh, this is all you, Chris. Go ahead. I love the show, and you know, unlike Family Guy, after it came back from the dead, it's just as good as it was before, if not better. Damn. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I've seen the earlier seasons and um, I, I gotta say that um, I like it far more than I do The Simpsons that and um, the one episode that I, I that I always stand out to me that I honestly think should have won the Emmy for its category is the one where Fry um, Fry and his dog yeah that episode was really was really potent I I, I I look back at that's that's just to me one of the best episodes of a TV series animated an animated TV series period and um, just the way it plays out and how it ends and 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 that that episode alone it's to me it's a first example I like to show people for um, Futurama it's not just a, a Simpsons ripoff or anything like that it's it's definitely its own entity and I'm glad they brought it back I, I really need to get caught up on it I like it. I haven't seen since it's come back, but when I would see the older episodes, when they'd play them ad nauseum there for a while on Cartoon Network, um, it was always funny. And I agree mm-hmm. with Chris. It, it's um, it you know it, it stands better than Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> All I got to say about this is snoo snoo. <laughs> Next question of his: What are some shows you would recommend for their action sequences and choreography? I was blown away by the fights in FMA Brotherhood, and that's a tall order since I'm a kung fu movie nut. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm not touching anything with kung fu in it. So I would say the early Tamino shows, like you know, uh, you know, Zeta Gundam and all that. I mean, he's uh, as bad as Tamino has gotten when it comes to storytelling at times. Now he's always does a great job when it comes to his action sequences. Oh, they, I, they go can, ahead. They can be sometimes they can be a complete mess at the end, mm-hmm. but they're always kind of choreographed pretty well, especially his earlier works. So well, even that, even in some of his later works, it's turn A Gundam. Yeah. Wow, that end fight. Well, turn, uh, turn, turn A is like what, fifteen years old now. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so. But as the example of one of his of his latter yeah. Gundam series, he he still had it when it came to setting up set pieces and 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 having these big 
scale fights unfold. He's 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 still um he's still got it to some degree. So uh, yeah, I I honestly have to agree with you there. Um, that and um even though it's not a mecha show, I always thought that the um the fights on Cowboy Bebop were so well choreographed. I That's I've got to say, but then again, it's based a well, lot he said, on cinema. What are some shows? Not well, shoot. Um, yeah, I I got to agree with, with with Paul. The um the gun some of the Gundam series, especially the ones that are um Tomino directed. All right, uh, here we got a silly question. If you could create a special ability, technology, or gimmick for your own personal title mecha, what would it be? Mm. Um, mine would print money. It'd be called the Federal Reserve Gundam. It just prints money constantly. I want a, a twin drive system so I can be an innovator. There you go. And naked make everyone space. understand each other. And put everybody in naked space. Yeah, that too. <laughs> naked space. I'll be like, hey, Scarlett Johansson, how are you doing in naked space? Ooh, hey, Natalie man. Portman, what's up? <laughs> Hey, both of you at the same time. How's it going? <laughs> um, I'd like mine to just have the ability to transport. I love that. Uh, that would be uh, that'd be kind of cool. Just to Tran- be able to transport. Oh, like just, in Star Trek. Yeah, just to be able to, to go pretty much transport to any destination I'd want to go to. So, um, see if you had the twin drive system, you could do that and more. Oh yeah, plus naked space. That's right. That too. What was I thinking? As long as oh. I'm not seeing Setsuna and um and Saji there naked. That, that I, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not down with that. No problem. <laughs> No gram, no gram no yeah. in naked space. You yeah. can keep it. Okay, he also asks, I'm finding the repeated generic future with space colonization setting in Gundam to be a little boring. To Ooh. me, Wing was somewhat more interesting with its old world European culture, however. If you could create a series with a different setting, culture, or atmosphere, what would it be like? Okay, wait. Before, before anyone answers, um, the colonies played a big part <laughs> in, in Gundam Wing. In Wing. I mean, I yeah, understand. but there was... Yeah. I see his point. There was a lot of like, you know, yeah, also was... with Roma Feller, all of these European dandies. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is not something that you see in other Gundam shows. I, I I don't I don't think of it too bad because when you're thinking of like science fiction or something like that, that is just the next progression. I mean, you're you're going to have destinations in space, you know. So if um if if I could do a setting that would be different, it would be old timey news guy setting where everybody talks like that guy. And uh, it's all black <laughs> and white, and it's 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 got that it's got that kind of that kind of sped up feel to it with the with the footage, you know, when they're when they're doing that stuff. Destination Romala, you know, no stuff doubt. Like <laughs> <laughs> Romala. <laughs> Think of like a, a noir tele, a noir movie with uh, Gundams. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> oh, Gundam, the M- Maltese Falcon Gundam. Give it. <laughs> Give it to me straight. <laughs> well, um, I know I would like to see it uh, for Gundam series or, or, or a series I li- like Gundam. I'd like to see it take it to the next level where they're um, terraforming planets and they're colonizing that, and, and maybe a war breaks out, and um, you know it's more than just Earth but on you the got table. That. It's Macross, right? Yeah, but Except they're usually the terraforming. <laughs> they're, they're usually traveling to a planet, but yeah, I mean, I like to see where terraforming. I like to see where there's a a, a, a war. That may be between more than just Earth and space colonies, whereas Earth and Mars and maybe another planet, or, you know, something that has more than you just got, two sides. You got sides. that Gundam Age, isn't it? Aren't they aliens? Yeah, you, you've also got it's called Dugram. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sit corrected. <laughs> Remember earlier we were saying there's only a finite amount of ideas out there. Exactly. <laughs> what I would well, like to see. Mm-hmm. Is um, you know you send it out and you know Dugram had that conflict between this colony world Deloyer and yeah. Earth, 
Mm-hmm. You know, what if you had um, in a Gundam series a setting on Mars? You had Mars being terraformed, and you always have like tons of sci-fi shows where Mars and Earth don't get along, like say Babylon Five. Right. And there's always some kind of revolution. So let's say that happens in a Gundam show, and you have Mars rebelling against the Earth Federation or whoever the hell, mm-hmm. and you also have space colonies. How do the colonies react to that? Which side do they take, and how does that affect the war to have two sides versus one, which is something we've never seen wow. in Gundam before. That is true. That is forward thinking. Holy shit. <laughs> I stand corrected uh, with the finite ideas there. Hey, man, Chris, Chris squeezed a little bit of blood out of that rack. <laughs> no, that's cool, though. Um, that, that's a concept I would like to see in the Gundam series also. Man. All right. His second got, to you last got, question. You got Solbro speechless. Well, <laughs> yeah. shit. Do you know of any digitally remastered versions of Wing and Endless Walter available in the U.S.? No, there are none, but recently at a convention, Bandai said that they would be releasing them, so we'll see if they uh, hold true to that. Fingers crossed. Last question. Just who the hell do you think I am? You. (laughs) I don't know. What was your name again? (laughs) Seraphic. Yeah. Okay, we got some questions now from Turn A Binker. Turn A Binker? Yes. Quite possibly the best version of the original series for me was the novels, which were published as one in America back in 2004. Mm-hmm. While it would be difficult maybe to do one on all of the novels, though Sentinel probably wouldn't be a problem, I don't know, you guys seem to get information than anyone else can, and compare them to their animated versions, I would like to hear a segment from you guys on the novels of MSG, your thoughts and the comparisons between it to the anime series and movies, and maybe more. Especially since I believe it was you guys, or one of you guys, said that the novels would be great as a basis for a live-action Gundam film, unlike the one that shall not be named. Ooh. Consider it a request for an episode. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah it's not a bad idea. It would require actually. rereading the novels for me, which is yeah. kind of hard to do because they're not that well written. But <laughs> well, damn. His next well. question is: Speaking of MSG, while I do agree that X should have aired right after Wing and before. 0079 related shows and OAVs, I had this theory on the Gundam trilogy. Since that was out already, one to two years before Wing aired, do you think just the film, not the TV series, would have made any differences? As a follow-up, if you remember the Gundam trilogy when it came out on VHS back in 98-99, the dubbing was pretty... yeah. Mm -hmm. As it was obvious where the title of your show came from, do you have any idea why the films for the most part referred to the Gundam as Gundam? In fact, any reasons for the dubbing and the writing for the dub for those three movies compared to 0080 and 0083, which are also out at the same time. So the first part of the question, I would say it would make no difference at all because Cartoon Network generally does not air movies. Yeah. And they certainly would not air movies that are two hours and 20 minutes without massive uh, cuts for commercial breaks, Mm -hmm. which would make those movies senseless. Yeah. And two, it's still the same stuff. It's old animation that's at this point over 20 years old at the time that MSG was airing. Kids yeah. don't like old animation. That's just that's just a hard and fast fact. It's hard to it's really hard to get them to tune into something that is antiquated. It's yeah. It's, they don't like something that's old unless it's something they have some attachment to, like one of the very rare exceptions being DBZ. Yeah. yeah. That's the only one that seems kinda timeless now. <laughs> yeah. It has an appeal despite being old, but even then it's still a lot newer and better yeah. animated than MSG, so no yeah. difference at all. As far as the dubbing of the original movies, they were done by a different group than the ones that uh, did 1883, even yeah. though they used some of the same voice actors. So it's just uh, bad people translating it and throwing in Star Trek terms where they don't belong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah. 
So his last question, I have heard that like Seed and Destiny before it, there is Gundam 00 Special Editions with Movie 1 on Season 1 and the Final 2 on Season 2. I was wondering if you guys knew about them, had seen them, and can give your opinions on the Special Editions, especially compared to the TV version and probably on other Special Editions. As for me, I've never seen them, nor do I know any of the changes as of this writing, except for one, the reveal of Ribbons as the Ogunum's pilot in the prologue with young Setsuna. That's a change I don't like because I remember being surprised when him as the pilot was revealed. This is, of course, lost in the special edition. And also, is this something that will be reviewed on MAHQ? Uh, yeah, they're, they're out there. They haven't been released by Bandai. Yeah. Probably won't be. I haven't been fans of by anybody, so I haven't watched them either way. And uh, I can't expect that the first movie would be very good, cramming in 25 episodes into one movie. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's there was an awful so much lot. going on in season one. I mean, why would, if you're going to make two movies about season two, why not make two about season one? Yeah, exactly. You know, at least when Destiny got special editions, even though the source material uh, was crappy, with four movies versus three, they still had more breathing room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, just look at how horrible it turned out with Turn A to have that first movie be so ridiculously rushed. And now oh. it's cramming 20-something episodes into one film, and I can't expect that the 00 movie one, special edition one, would be much different. So, yeah, there are some other changes. Uh, there's some other new scenes, but... I haven't seen them, can't comment on them, and obviously, until they have some kind of translation, can't review them. Mm. Yeah, same, same here. I haven't seen I've, them. I've only so. seen bits and pieces of uh, some clips on YouTube of, of additional scenes that those uh, special editions have added, and, and that's pretty much it. I haven't seen them as a whole, and um, I'd like to see them, um, hopefully sometime in the future. All right, he also has a PS. If you would let me, I would like to share my opinion on G-Savior, the PS2 game. While as a basic shooter, there really isn't anything special about it by comparison, it's better than the film. Mobile suits move quicker and not old like they regress for no reason whatsoever, and some of the stages are the locations from UC Gundam shows like the ruins of a colony in Australia, oh. Mount Kilimanjaro, and the remains of Angel Halo. Because of that, the game is pretty good, and I would say give it a shot, because unlike the film, I don't feel like I wasted my money on this. By the way, you will laugh at the ending. Like F91, it ends with, this is only the beginning. Yeah, we all know how that turned out, didn't we? Well, I don't have a modded PS2. not going to get one, and I certainly wouldn't get it for an 11-year-old game, no matter how good it is. So, Man. <laughs> Especially an 11-year-old Gundam game. A yeah. launch, like a freaking early era launch title on the PS2. So, sorry. But I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Anything's better than G-Savior the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to hear that it is better, at least. Prince of Zeon, who says... I was discussing anime with a friend the other day, and we came to the same conclusion. It is a rarity if the main protagonist of any particular anime, particularly Macross or Gundam, is our favorite character from that show, i.e. we prefer Char to Amuro and Camille, Max to Hikaru, etc. Is this the same with you? The only show I can think of where the main is my favorite is Code Geass with Lelouch, but that in and of itself is a unique case since typical mecha formula there is reversed. And would you say it's a conscious effort on the part of the creators to make the main characters bland in order to appeal to a wide variety of audiences? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, 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 got, I got a few. Like I liked, I liked Garrett in X. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite characters. Well, there's Jamil though. Damn. Yeah, yeah, see? You already beat yourself. <laughs> I like uh, Akagi in, um, in, uh, in uh, oh my god, now I'm blanking on the name of the show. Um, Die Guard. Thank you. 
Um, the main character of that show I thought was awesome. I think it was, it was my favorite character in that show. But it's very rare. I mean, a lot of those guys, you know, they're they're kind of developing as the show goes along. So we're we're in the driver's seat with them. So you know, they have much more appealing friends because I guess they've already been, you know, they they've already reached a point in their lives where they've already been pretty well defined. And uh, that's why we like uh, Maximilian Genus from um, from Macross because you know he's just he's that kind of gar- character you 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 want to glam onto or um or Guy Daigoji in, in the Desco because you know he's 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 someone who's so, so boisterous that it's it's hard not to like him in comparison to the main character. Not that the main character is is bland. It's just that they have to they're they're developing to a point where they are going to be uh. Uh, I guess a much better character as the series goes along, so they kind of have to be a blank slate to some degree. I don't think it's necessarily some kind of deliberate pattern of making the main characters more bland or palatable for audiences. Mm-hmm. You know, it just turns out that way sometimes. You know, some characters just they just steal the scenes and they steal the show. Yeah, they're not and meant got, to, you, but they do. And you got to think the characters like that they always have a limited amount of screen time. So the main character you're going to see them all the time. So. You're getting used to him, so maybe things that he does aren't going to be as stand out as, you know, maybe the guy that shows up, you know, five minutes an episode or something like that, or every other episode. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it's deliberate either, but so. Okay, our next question comes from the Gundam Mark II. Says, I've got a pretty straightforward fan base question for you. How much do you think the fans themselves affect sales and marketing for Gundam here in the U.S.? Vote with your dollar is usually how consumerism works. I have to wonder if we as fans stick too much to our comfort zones, since I've noticed there isn't much of a Gundam community on non-specific on Gundam on non-Gundam specific anime websites like cosplay.com. Nor is there usually much of a showing at many con- of the conventions I attend here on the East Coast. I'm both a fan artist and a cosplayer who almost exclusively focuses on Gundam series, and I feel like a very rare bird indeed. Do all us mecha lovers need to just come out of the basement, so to speak, <laughs> in order to get more of what we love here in the U.S.? Well, I think the problem is that uh, mecha fandom within anime fandom in America is the niche within the niche. Yeah. That's just the way it's always been and probably always going to be. So, you know, you, you're always going to have legions of people devoted to whatever is the current big like shonen fighting show compared to whatever the current Gundam show is no matter how big it is right. every once in a while Gundam does have some crossover you know Wing double O they got pretty boys so you know you cross over with females in that regard that normally wouldn't give Gundam the time of day but as soon as those shows are over they're gone too same thing with Macross Frontier yeah pretty much I saw plenty of girls who a few years ago, you know, they were like all into Double O and Frontier and Code Geass because it's all about pretty boys and specific voice actors that they like. And as mm-hmm. soon as those shows were over, they were gone. Yep. From no. mecha fandom, they were just transients. <laughs> pretty boy transients. <laughs> transients. It's what was hot in the streets, <laughs> but now they've moved on to other things. And um, until until the next uh, mega show with pretty boys comes along, then then they'll. They'll they'll come back to that, but yeah. Um, if anything, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a niche within a niche, a niche within a niche, and um, it's it's, it, it's I guess it's one of the things we just have to accept for the time being. Unless there's a a standout blowout show like um something that is uh the Dragon Ball Z of uh mecha shows that, that comes along that might bring more light to the genre. Um, I, I even even if something like that did come along, I don't I didn't I don't expect the fire to uh to 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 burn brightly forever, and it'll it'll go back to being the niche that it was. Or he is now. Neil? I agree. No, I, I mean, there's nothing else I can really say. It's like you said, you put it perfectly. It's the niche within the niche, and 
every so every couple of years because of the pretty boy factor you get a you get legions of fans and then they they don't stay around so they kind of it's kind of like those um those cds that you see that advertise on tv where they have like the the past year's like hot uh songs oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, now, now that's what i call music yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's the it's, it's those type of fans. Like I, I don't want to explore the rest of it. I just like this one little part, and I'm just gonna listen to it or watch it nonstop, and then screw everything else. So yeah, but, yeah. Okay, our last question of this extended mailbag comes from Teprog Noob, <laughs> who asks regarding your statement about wanting to play games merely for fun. If this is what you believe, then what are your thoughts on the practice of farming or repeatedly doing one mission? slash type of PvP hundreds of times as quickly as possible to gain experience points and in-game money and mass. Especially people who take it to the point where they only play to farm millions of experience points slash money points and do not actually play the game. I find the practice helpful. I'm a regular practitioner, but I'm curious about your views. Well, that's just dumb. (laughs) And I think what you're talking about that you find helpful, the difference between farming and grinding. Yeah, I was, yeah I was just about to say. Anytime you play an RPG game, you you got to go through out in the forest or in the cave. You got to beat up the slimes or the monsters or whatever because you got to build yourself up before you used to go fighting some bosses. Yeah. And that's just the way every RPG works. Whenever you get to a new area, you got to build up a little bit or the boss is going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with spending, say, like an hour or two just grinding and trying to level up so that you won't get your ass whooped when you go into the tower or the cave <laughs> or the dungeon to fight some boss. I do right. that. I've, ever since I was a kid, I've always done it with RPGs. That's mm-hmm. fine. But just playing the game and just grinding endlessly and never actually going through the game, that to me is ridiculous. What's the point of that? I want to play through the game and enjoy it and enjoy the events and the story and eventually get to the ending. Well, some people made an industry out of it when it comes to MMORPGs. And that's what some people only do, and they, they've found a way to make money out of it. Hell, it's an industry in China. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, at least there's a point. You're, you're making a living from doing that. So, you know, if, if anything, that's the only way I could see that it's not dumb, but it would be boring to me to have a job where that's all I did. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to get to enjoy the game that I'm playing. I'm just sitting there farming when there's so much adventure out there that you could participate in. You know, you kinda, you're, only, you're only participating in, in just the just the act of doing the same thing over and over and over. But some people do get, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not something that would interest me either, to be honest. I, I, I enjoyed grinding back in the day in RPGs, especially the old school ones, where you had to do it, otherwise you're going to get your ass kicked. I, 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 um, I point out Breath of Fire 2 because that game was hard as sin. But yeah, um, grinding for the point of getting, becoming badass is awesome. Grinding for the point for to the point of just grinding. I don't see the point in it. I, I don't. I agree. I mean, there's you, you buy the game to play it to the end, to see, especially with those type of you know, those type of games. You know, there's always some good little story going on, so you want to see what happens at the end. Uh, but mm-hmm. the whole fact of just sitting there, I, I it would drive me insane after a while, just sitting there killing a fox or something like that for you know hours upon hours <laughs> yeah i mean so. you gotta you gotta um, the fruits of your labor have to to pay off somehow yeah so. doesn't make any sense but all that uh, wraps up the mailbag so i'll kick it back to Solbro. all right well before we close out this segment uh we were joined by a special guest uh in order to uh to wrap up a little bit of a conflict that's been going on for the last couple of weeks um no, there's no conflict i well, mean i it, mean that, that's an insult to conflicts in the world, saying this is a conflict. <laughs> so, 
Well, a, a bit of tit for tat then. And um, he joined us earlier. Um, it's our old friend uh, Jabman, the defender of destiny. Um, he he he, he uh, joined us for a little bit to uh, discuss something that has been uh, in Neo's crawl uh, for a little bit, and uh, we'll we'll let you hear how that played out. All right. Bitches, welcome to the show. We're going to have a SmackDown debate. No, there already was a debate. And if you are a longtime listener of Gundam or a lurker on MechaTalk or you're on Twitter, you've probably seen some sniping back and forth between Neo and Jabman about a infamous Destiny debate on the I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside podcast. Mm-hmm. And this whole debate was about who won that debate. So now we're going to have a debate about the debate here. <laughs> so in the red corner, we have Neo. Oh, red, white, and blue corner. <laughs> yes. And over in the communist corner, communist. we have Jabban. So here's what bitches. I want. I want a good, clean fight. I do not want to hear any trash talking. I want you to each concisely state in two minutes why you think you had the better argument and how you were able to back it up. And then once we post this, the listeners on MechaTalk will be able to make their own decision after listening to the Smell Bad on the Outside podcast, and they can decide for themselves and give us their comments. So let's go to the challenger, Jabman. You have two minutes to explain why you think you made the better argument and how you were able to back it up. Um, the reason I won that debate is fairly simple. I won by Neo's rules himself. Neo said and agreed at the end of the episode that the comments would decide who won that debate. And in a post on MechaTalk, he even said, I will let the millions and millions of Neo's fans decide. Well, apparently the millions can be stuffed into a phone booth. So according to the comments, I won. I'm not saying it's a complete and utter victory because there were more than a few comments that said I was completely out of my mind. But the majority of the comments agreed with me. Okay, so, but uh, you're, you're, you're not addressing the point. It's not what people commented on. It's what your argument was. You're, you're not answering the question. My base argument that is that Gundam Seed Destiny is not the pile of garbage that Neo thinks it is. It is a good show. Not a great show. Not the greatest thing in the history of Gundam, in the history of the universe, but it's still a good show. And the Gundam franchise is better off with it than without it. Hmm. And how did you support this argument? Supported this argument through the, that there was a better storyline that people give it credit for. The characters get bashed way too hard for the same characters they are in Gundam Seed, and that the argument of there is no main character running throughout the series that it shifts back and forth is overblown. There is a main character, and yes, I'm going to hear it. Oh, it is Atherin. That uh, yes, the original plan was to have Shin as the main character, but guess what? Mm-hmm. People didn't like him. The main Japanese you know, fan base didn't like him, and that's who they listened to. So they kind of shifted it over a little to Kira, and then a little back and forth. But the only central character that ran through the series was Atherin. Okay, All anything right. else? Well, that'll about do it. All right, uh, Neo, in two minutes, why you think you had the better argument and how you supported it? Well, <clears throat> I had the better argument just based on the fact of I made sense. I actually had facts to base up, back up the things I was saying. I was not doing this just to be contrarian or to go with the flow or anything like that. Um, my basis of the argument is, yes, it is as bad as people complain it to be. It's not one of those situations where it's overblown. Um, 
the this whole thing of uh, the Jabman fantasy land of uh, he he knows what the Bandai was trying to do. Um, no, Shin was Shin was the main character, and you know, okay, maybe in his dis- distorted mind he's thinking it's Atherin, but it's not. And you know, it, it it just it just simply comes down to this: is it's okay to say something's bad, and I feel that he's just trying to be contrarian. And, you know, and, and trying to be, you know, in a, in a way, a Destiny Gundam, you know, just to be, because everybody else is crapping on this. I'm just going to sit here and say that I, I, I like it or, or really say, you know, it, it's got it's got potential or it's good. No, it's not. I, I don't think the uh, the Gundam franchise is better off with it because I'll be honest with you. I think it's an afterthought and I think Sunrise and Bandai are treating it as an afterthought now. I think it, in a lot of ways they didn't mind the merchandising dollars coming in, but in the end, it's 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 kind of a black stain on the uh, on the franchise, and uh, it's not going to get better with time. And um, you know, it, it it is okay to say it's bad. So that's it. All right, uh, we're going to leave it there because I don't want to deal with any more of this yeah. nonsense. So. <laughs> Listen to this, and uh, please listen to the SBO podcast, which Sober will provide uh, links to. Yes, and decide for yourself, and give us the comments on Mecha Talk, and then we can put an end to this nonsense and never hear about it again. SBOpodcast.blogspot.com. Head on over and listen to episode 24, The Defender of Destiny. That's where you'll find the debate, and that's where you can make up your mind about this also. Man, I can't wait to see the responses. It's going to be off the chain. I'm oh, sure it will be. So. And remember, folks. Don't base it, base it on the debate. Don't base it on if you like or dislike anybody. Like, if you like Jabman or you don't like him, don't make that have that factor in your decision. You know, make it. And no freaking campaigning. No bullshit on uh, Twitter or anything like this. Because we want people to listen to the show, get their debate on it, and do it that way. So no freaking, no, no going in the virtual world there, Jabman. <laughs> well, Jeff, I like you. And there you go. <laughs> At least I well, got one hour. So, bro, you don't count. <laughs> I never do. You never do. You, you don't no, it's, 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 it's not a thing of like. It's oh, just a thing of, you know. Of, I think, of, well, of being... thank you, uh, Jab Man, for, for joining us, <laughs> and uh, good luck to both of you. Good fight. Good night. <laughs> I will break you. <laughs> I must break you. And also, if you have time, visit uh, Jabman025's YouTube channel at... Uh, YouTube.com slash Jabman025. And thanks again to him for joining us for that little discussion there. We're going to go ahead and kick things off in a few minutes with our first segment where we review Pat Labor here on Gundam at MAHQ. Let us do no such goddamn thing. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears Destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone 
will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name... Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool! Shinjuku Station. About the movies. Individuals with extraordinary abilities may already be among us. Tiger, you really think that some crackpot scientist is going to make me believe in sparkly dames and vanishing men? I didn't really expect you to believe me. One of the many spectacular things my mutation allows me to do is that I can read your mind. Climax was fantastic. It was uh, the, one, the one complaint I have. The one complaint that I have is at the very end of the film when um, when Fastbender is in the Magneto getup, and it looked it looked a little campy, and I could accept it. But since it was at the very Magneto, end of the film, just deal with it. yeah. I mean, what to me was the cheesiest mean, scene in this movie was mean, the freaking beginning when he awakened his powers. Yeah, and you could just see Shaw like, yeah. <laughs> like, the only thing missing was good, good. <laughs> And it's like it's like this scene is going on way too long, it's too cheesy. And and Padme, she dead. <laughs> that, that was the no scene of this movie, but it actually came and went pretty quick. So. Next on Shinjuku Station. About the movies. Eric, you said yourself, we're the better men. This is the time to prove it. There are thousands of men on those ships that's just following orders. I've been at the mercy of men just following orders. Never again. It's for sleeping with my wife. The goddamn minivan. segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. It's time to kick off a segment that we promised a very long time ago and up to now have failed to deliver upon. <laughs> Much to the shame of our show, having spent nearly four years on air and never talked about this series. <laughs> yes, it's time for the Pat Labor Roundup. Well, it's about goddamn time. I mean, Gundam time. <laughs> And we're kicking off with a discussion of the original Mobile Police Pat Labor OAV series that was released in 1988. But first, a little bit of background on it. 
Mm-hmm. This show uh, and the manga that ran along in the same time were the product of a creative group called Headgear, which is something that you don't see too often in anime, where you have a group of people working together on projects. Yeah, you have Clamp, but they're maybe about one of the only ones that's been around long term, because Headgear showed up in the 80s, they did Pat Labor, and after that they pretty much went along their own ways. Hmm. So you had this group consisting of several members, including director Mamoru Oshii, who before this was famous for some OAVs, as well as directing the Urusai Yatsura TV series, as right. well as the very well-known second movie, Beautiful Dreamer. Yep. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite anime movies ever. You had yep. writer Kazunori Ito, who would later work with Oshi on the first Ghost in the Shell movie, and would later create Dot .hack. Yep. You had character designer Akami Takata, who would later do the character designs for Kimigori Orange Road. Or maybe around the same time as this, I don't remember. She I also worked. She also worked on um, Yurusai Yatsura as well. She was a character designer on that too. You had a musical composer Kenji Kawai, who would work with Oshi on many, many different products, as well as on uh, Gundam Double O most recently. Yes, indeed. And you had uh, comic artist Masami Yuki, who worked on the manga. So this team they came together and they created this OAV seven episodes so it's pretty easy to jump into it was originally released by central park media which as we know no longer exists so <laughs> sadly there is no more patley board for us to buy legally in the u.s but you know these dvds were pretty highly produced so i'm sure you could find them still on maybe amazon or right stuff or secondary market so they're not that hard to come by mm-hmm. so what's the story you have in the future of 1998 at the time you had Japan using robots called labors in construction Mm -hmm. and of course these labors were eventually used for crime so naturally the police to fight robot crime you have to make your own robots thus was the birth of the patrol labor or pat labor Right. so this story follows the uh, misadventures of the Tokyo Police Department's special vehicles section 2 division 2 mm-hmm and the uh, mayhem and destruction that they leave in their wake every single time they answer a call <laughs> to respond to some sort of labor crime. So what makes this show stick out is it's a mecha show, and yet it's not because it's mostly a slice of life, day in the life of, of these wacky police officers <laughs> with only a minor focus on the mecha involved most of the time. So since most of these episodes are self-contained except for the two-parter of episodes five and six... Of the self-contained episodes, what stood out for you guys? Let's start with Soul Bro. Well, out of the self-contained episodes, I, I really do enjoy the last one, episode seven, the uh, the one having to do with the uh, the driver that's just trying to get to his wife and child because <laughs> his wife just gave birth, and yeah. uh, of course you don't know that at the beginning of the story, but um you know he, you see you see a man get his uh his uh, truck jack only to find out that he was a guy who <laughs> stole a truck in the first place, and then um it's it's a it's a, a containment situation where the um the police and the uh, uh S. 
V2 are trying to uh, trying to keep this guy on the highway so that he doesn't do damage in the mecha that was stolen inside the truck. And uh, the way the story unfolds and um, where, where you find out everything that's going along and just to see how SV2 finally operates as a unit during a crisis, it was pretty cool to see. And then the, the final fight where you have these uh, this, this corporation who comes in to try to get their prototype suit back, the one that was stolen. And this uh, this hapless guy who is just happens to know how to pilot labors because he uh, works with them on his construction job or whatever job he does, uh, ends up teaming up with uh, Izumi in order to take these uh, these uh, these corporate mechs down and i it just it was just a very light-hearted episode that uh could have been 10 times worse but um in in in, in the situation but ended up just being a just a, a a cool a cool example of what uh sv2 was capable of and 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 just to see the characters interact i, I like that episode a lot okay uh neil um i'd have to say the one where they go back to training and they they have the the ghost girl and the whole thing like that because in the end it makes it makes fun of how poor police officers they are they can't figure out they can't really figure out that they're getting duped by their superiors like they have this whole thing going on where some girl got killed when there was uh what was it training exercise training yeah training mm-hmm. accident and you know they, they at night when they're one of the guys is sleeping he walks out and he sees don't shoot me and then looks out and it's a girl and then and then the labor comes up and somebody's wearing the disguise the uh like they're the skeleton pilot and stuff like that and they're trying they're 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 actually believing that there is a ghost but it's just their um you know it's just their superiors uh just you know making them look like horrible police officers so <laughs> well the, the funny thing is is that we just got off an episode prior where there was really a sea monster so um i didn't think there was really a ghost but um you know it's like it, the, the fact that the show had the the balls to go into something so crazy as at the fact that some guy actually literally made a sea monster that um that they were trying to, to stop from causing destruction you know i thought it was way out there but it was it was kind of cool for the series to jump into that that foray but or then, it, then or you mean huh? you mean the you mean the episode episode that's the homage to godzilla yeah the, ox- the oxygen destroyer <laughs> pretty much and then the next episode is an episode that dealt with the supernatural so it's like man is this possible but as the series go- episode goes along of course you know it's a facade and uh, i just love how Con- uh, clancy just gets in their ass <laughs> yeah. and just shows that she's a real cop who's been doing this shit for years and she um she just breaks it down completely. She's she just reached a breaking point and had enough and just broke it completely down. It's like thank God someone stood up because <laughs> Shinohara was so close but yet so far when he when he tried to confront everybody about the um the true uh, I guess the true outcome of uh, of what was what was causing the supernatural activity. But yeah, that was that was another fun episode. Yeah, I, I would agree that one of the standouts is the uh, the ghost episode because they're all just completely fooled by it and yeah. everything they come up with is completely wrong and they just like so off ba- it's so off they- base yeah like their, their their explanation is like so off base of what's really going on it's like it, you would think that in a situation like that you might have one or two people thinking it's going to go this way but they're getting overruled by the group they're so off. <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of similar to something that we'll talk about in other segments that you see it happen a lot in the movies and the TV shows that Asuma goes out and tries to figure out something and goes through a bunch of trouble to get to the answer, mm-hmm. only to find out that Goto already knew it all along. Yeah. <laughs> and he went through all of this needless effort to, to figure out to the same thing. Yeah. Much, so. Yeah. For me, what stands out in general about the show was the interactions of the characters because you have these people who are just sort of like the police rejects. You have uh, Ota, who is just an uncontrollable gun freak. I mean, if you live 
I don't know why he doesn't live in America. Isn't a car carrying member of the NRA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would love him. I, I bet his favorite spokesman. I bet his favorite character is Harry Callahan. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, he just is such a maniac. He always wants to rush in. He's like just the stereotype of the excessive force cop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he wants to deal with every situation with excessive force, even if violence isn't involved to begin with. <laughs> and, and, and everyone knows this, and they intentionally, like, put blanks in his guns because they know no matter what, he's going to end up shooting. But even though he's going to be told not to, so they intentionally put blanks in his gun. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, those, yeah. poor, those poor saps in the video store. <laughs> I mean, hell, for Christ, Christ's sakes, in one episode of the TV show, he, they're, they're trying to get into a building that's on fire. He mm. tries to blast the glass with his, uh, with his gun, and when he complains <laughs> that his gun hasn't been loaded into the, into the unit, you know, Asuma tells him, why the hell would you bring a gun to a rescue mission? <laughs> that's just so characteristic of what a maniac he is. Yeah, man, that, that guy was born with gunpowder in his bloodstream. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you got uh, you got Izumi, who is uh, you know cute little tomboy, but she's a complete mecha freak. Yeah, and has this obsession with naming everything Alphonse after her dead pet's Alphonse. Oh, <laughs> and of course she gets maniacally protective of her Alphonse Ingram unit. Mm-hmm. It's funny, which leads to amusing consequences. <laughs> She 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 doesn't even want to get a scratch on it yet. She's taking on all sorts of criminals with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I I I when when I first got introduced to the show, I always thought that she was uh the main character. But the show comes off with all these people just more so being an ensemble, if anything. And yeah. um, I, I although I do like her character. Well, it doesn't help that uh, for all incarnations that they licensed of the OAVs in the TV show, Central Park Media, they constantly misrepresented this show. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the TV series. If you look at the DVDs, like, they constantly try to advertise it as if it's some, like, wacky action show, and they're always playing up, like, all of the mecha action and the robots, and, like, no, that's barely the focus of this. Yeah, <laughs> it's just them misrepresenting it. Yeah. Absolutely, exactly right. Although throughout all of the incarnations of Pat Labor, one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character of the series, is Captain Goto, <laughs> because he's one of these guys who he comes across as just being so lazy and you know doesn't work, doesn't do anything. He's always sitting around like clipping his his toenails and all of that. But he's got a really sharp mind. He always mm. sees things that are unseen. He figures things out before anyone else does. And he knows people everywhere and knows who to pump for information and how to react to situations, which especially plays out in the two-parter where a former college friend of his is launching a coup d'etat to take over the Japanese government. What did you guys think of this two-parter? Uh, S- go ahead. Oh, I, yeah, here you go. <laughs> well, um, I I thought it was I thought it was great. Uh, I I thought that um it was it, it the way it starts off where it's just you know um everybody's left on vacation. Of course, that's 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 definitely a sign of trouble right there where everybody's uh, you know going their separate ways to to, to spend off winter holiday. But um no, I, I thought it was cool, especially the way it unfolded the the first part where uh you have these ominous people uh keeping an eye on SV two and um you, you uh, right off the bat Goto can tell something's up and he's kind of uh he's kind of out of his uh. Uh, the way his character normally is represented where he's lazy and doesn't seem to want to be there and um in this one you know he's spending his winter vacation at work which is already a red flag right there 
But, um, you know, I, the way it unfolded and the way he was networking around, driving around with his car phone. Because I guess in uh, 1998, they still don't have cell phones. And, and the way he's organizing everything and, um, and the way it plays out, I, I thought it was a compelling two-parter. Especially his, uh, his, uh, his tactic at the end with the Trojan horse was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was definitely, um, you know, it was, it was definitely the, the idea of the cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- these two guys that know each other so well. And they're, you know, the the his friend is trying to, uh, you know, take over the government and stuff. And like you said, the the whole thing of him just acting the whole time, like he's just kind of disinterested, um, is uh, is pretty pretty good. So, and um, it, it it is it is a pretty good little arc there with the, you know, the two episode arc. So, Speak, speaking of the antagonist, does he show up later in either the TV show or the um, or a later movie or something? No, but as I yeah. answer this later, if you. If you've seen uh, movie two, which obviously we won't get to for quite a while, mm-hmm. movie two is kind of based on this premise because you had uh, ultra conservative nationalists in the military staging mm-hmm. a coup d'état. Yeah, to try to take right. over the country, and you know it results in this armed conflict between the military and the police. So it kind of is a take up on a similar story, but you know not the same characters and. Obviously, on a much bigger scale since it's a uh, two-hour movie. Right. Yeah. So, no, we never see that guy again, but we see you know a character kind of like him again. And one of the things I like about this two-parter is it's very different uh, in tone, not much in the way of comedy. But we see that whenever there's a crisis, that Goto is already acting before anyone else is even aware there's a crisis. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He recognizes these these problems and. You know, like I said, he's got he's got the networking skills. He has, you know, people that uh, he can contact, like one of his frequent partners in all the incarnations, uh, Inspector Matsui. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows that he can rely on that guy to, in his circles outside of what Goto does, you know, piece together information and help him out. Yeah, exactly. And uh, on top of that, he he knows what everybody's value is, and he's able to put you know he's able to play his chess pieces um, in in a very effective way uh, with that with that final uh, with that final uh, showdown with the with the two ships and the um, and the paratrooping uh, mech they got from uh, Shinohara Industries. How they put that to use, I, I still I still find that to be an awesome uh, an awesome uh, a resolution where they uh, they stop that missile from launching, uh, and um, I, just a, just a back and forth that Goto was having with his rival. I, I thought that was really cool too how they were just talking to each other and uh, they were trying to read each other during that uh, during those conversations and how they would figure things out. I, I just I, I really got to commend that this this OVA series for having that two-parter cuz it, it it really shows off the uh, the characters and their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And uh, taking a step back the third episode about the monster in the bay. Mhm. Should make some mention that it's based on a chapter from the manga that also say served as the basis for the third movie. Oh, but we won't be talking about that until the end of the Pat Lever roundup. <laughs> so we'll we'll bring that up again in more detail later on. Yeah, but in general, some of the things that I really enjoyed about this series, you know, more broadly, is the vision of the future it has. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the specifics like car phones and computers because yeah, they still they look pretty. 80s dated, but right. it's only set 10 years in the future at the time. Yeah. But quite a lot of the things that they talk about in Pat Labor have come to pass. One of the big thematic focuses of the series, both in the OAVs, the movies, the TV show, mm-hmm. is the Babylon Project. Oh. And this is a project to artificially extend the land around Tokyo. Yes. I was wondering if that actually. Population. 
Mm-hmm. And this is stuff that's actually happened. You know, we have um I forget the name of it, but if you if you watch Discovery Channel enough, you'll see the documentary that they air a zillion times a month about <laughs> the Japanese airport that was built on an artificial island. Oh that's wow. exactly what the Babylon project is. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, it's I think it starts with a K, doesn't it? Or something. Something like that. Yeah. Just look it up. Korea. Yeah. Mm. So there and there are proposals to do this exact sort of thing in Tokyo because that city is just so damn overcrowded and they don't yeah. have enough land of extending the shore. Yeah. yeah. So for them to be talking about that in the eighties, long before even this airport project, I think was pretty uh pretty predictive of you know how things would be going. Well, props to Pat Labor for that. I, I I wonder if there was talk about. I'm sure there was talk about it at the time. It, it was conceptual. I'm sure. Possibly. I'm back sure then. it was. I'm sure it was at an infant stage back in the '80s when you know this show was being made. So for them to have already incorporated it as a major plot point, I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. I guess kind of like in the same fashion where they talked about um, the theory that life came from space um, in the episode with the sea monster. Uh, you know, if anything, that, that, I've, I've heard you know way before I watched this, I well, heard about that theory as well. That's way old, the, the yeah. theory. That's like... That's, that's a long, long time. I mean, I remember <laughs> hearing about it in school, but the fact that they brought it up was kind of cool in that yeah. series too. But uh, Other stuff, you know, the eco-terrorism, that's something that's definitely more of an issue now than it was maybe 20 years ago mm-hmm. yeah so that's something that you've got going on i mean perfect example in japan you got those people the uh, the sea shepherds that they they attack the whalers yeah, yeah that's right you got that going on um also the power plays between you know nations and corporations working together especially those that are in the defense industry yep obviously much more of an issue now than it was 20 years ago so <laughs> i mean for the most part they managed to make a pretty pretty accurate prediction of how the future would be with the exception of you know bipedal <laughs> mecha running around all over the place <laughs> but they managed to make it fit in and make it believable that you could have a, a world that's exactly like ours and yeah. they have these giant robots running around and it doesn't seem out of the ordinary because most of them are being used for construction purposes and they look like construction robots they're big mm. they're ugly they're <laughs> shaped to do they're designed to do that work and that's what they look like they're not you know brightly colored semi robots like gundams <laughs> yeah, they, they, they can't all be gundams <laughs> yeah i mean even even the ingram itself even though it's like the most robotic looking that's obviously because it's the star of the show but yeah it's designed for a role and it fits that role it's got the white and the black it's got the police sirens it's designed to be a police robot mm-hmm. and sort of instill that psychological impact on criminals and the public and it exactly. does that it doesn't do anything more than that it doesn't fly it doesn't jump around it's <laughs> a robot with limitations it makes although, it feel much more realistic although zumi would love it to but <laughs> Well, yeah, like that oh, yeah. that she had. Yeah. The vibe I get from this show is kind of uh, a little bit of Ghost in the Shell with with a little bit of Here's Greenwood thrown in, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 got that predictive. Uh, it, it, it's it's just like you brought up, Chris. It, it's predicted a lot of uh, a lot of things that have come to pass or have been discussed. But uh, at the same time, it's it's kind of got a little zany vibe to it, which makes me curious about the third movie because I heard that's on a more serious vein, and um, it's it's more so like a, a Mamoroshi film that we would you know come to expect from him nowadays. But um, well, I'm, all three movies, even the first picture by Oshi, are pretty completely different beasts. Oh, very much more focused on drama and political intrigue and you know all these sorts of things than the comedy of the OAV and the TV show so they are very different in tone and hell even even the animation's different the characters are drawn much more realistically yeah rather yeah. than the more cartoony appearance they have in the OAVs and TV shows hmm. 
So they're they're different beasts altogether. It's not, it's it's cool to see that um that there's there's kind of a um, a different representation of uh, of of each format um you know within them so they all stand out so yeah and and the next thing that we will be reviewing when we get to it is the film so the, the first movie anyway so it, it'll be it'll be um nice to see exactly how different that is but and at this point I should make mention that we have two different continuities because the TV series and the OV series that follows it are mm-hmm. their own continuity completely different from the original OAV and the three movies. There aren't that many differences between the two, but there are distinct enough differences that they are different universes. So I'm just going to point that out. So any closing comments on this seven-episode OVA of Mobile Police Pat Labor? Um, no, I mean, not too much. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a great way of starting off the series. Like you said, it's it's a lot different than what you would expect. It, it, they keep it interesting by keeping everything pretty much self-contained. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, um, you know, like you said, it is kind of neat to see that whole thing with the nostalgia type of thing of like this, these things that they were kind of predicting or talking about in 1988 and have come to pass. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times when even in these older shows, when they talk about something or they're, they're kind of predicting something, even, you know, 20, 30 years later, it still hasn't really happened yet. But this, it's like, you know, wow, all this stuff has happened. So, but uh I mean, except, it, except it, for the giant robots, which except uh, for the giant be that far <laughs> off. <laughs> we can you know what You never know with Japan, but <laughs> exactly. um, it's definitely something if you're into mech that you should really look at. I think for the most part, people will enjoy it. I, I gotta say, I, I definitely dug this. I, I love uh, slice, slice of Life animes, and uh, this definitely fits the bill. Um, I uh, and on top of the fact that it's also a mecha anime, at least in part. But um, you know, it's more so uh, more so a police drama, and with with comedic elements thrown in, and a little bit of mecha elements thrown in. And I'm kind of excited to see exactly where uh, the roundup is going to take us in the in the different uh, entries for it. But as for this seven part OVA series, I, I do recommend it. If I was to give it a, a MAHQ star rating, I'd probably give it four stars. Uh, you know, and uh, it's a great int- introduction to these characters and to this world that uh, Pat Labor lays down. Uh, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, in closing, I would definitely say it's not like any mecha show you've ever seen before or ever will see again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. And if you want any further information on this original OAV, of course, you can read the reviews on MAHQ. Yep. And in the next roundup, we'll be talking about the first Pat Labor feature film, so watch for that. Right now, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say, You're lying, George. Oh, uh, hey, you, get your damn hands off her. You really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH. 
or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs and also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should too. Just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast? Bulma, brief, from Dragon Ball Z, is such a tease. Anime. You're gonna go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not gonna let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old, the man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All I gotta say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy Holy Jesus, Jesus, where are these goddamn animals? This segment of Gundam at MHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. All right, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. We're going to be doing a listener-submitted topic in this one. This comes from everyone's favorite Australian, uh, number one Chris Guanche fan, uh, Mula Faga. And uh, his, top, his topic suggestion was some of our favorite senpais. So we're going to be doing senpai lightning round. Soul Bro, you're up. Favorite one. Man, um, well, I got to go with an uh, all-time favorite. Uh, my man... Um, What's his name? Uh, Guy Dagoji from uh, Nadesco, man. He had a short tenure, though. Real short. (laughs) (laughs) Best three episodes show show ever. Yes, indeed. No, we're just kidding. Um, But yeah, uh, Guy Dagoji uh, definitely set the the show set him up to be a a big time senpai character. You know, first him and the main character didn't hit it off, but they became fast friends before the end of the first episode. And um, he was this likable guy, an otaku like the rest of us. And, you know, he's just a a hot blooded uh, character that the main character could somewhat look up to. And then um, they pulled the rug from underneath our feet, as uh, they do with most senpai characters. And he. he met his demise early on in the series, and the main character has to to uh, to trudge on without him. And um, but his, his quite, presence quite, still quite felt pa- quite pathetically too. <laughs> well, the, the thing about uh, guys but that's kind of interesting is, mm-hmm. you know, most of the senpais, you know, they have some kind of an influence on the main character, and then they die. Yeah. Whereas Guy became the senpai and the influence precisely because of his death. Yeah, that, that he is true. A, a posthumous senpai. That, that is true. That is true, and that, 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 that's, that is what makes him interesting. And uh, just to see how the show will tease you. <laughs> 
with not only his reoccurring uh he, sometimes he'll re, he'll reappear in certain episodes as um there, there's a character in particular that shows up later on in in the desco that looks just like him save for maybe a, a few slight changes and they're a little bit different but there's elements to him that do make them similar and then only to 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 of course pull the same nonsense again later on with uh with removing that character from the show but yeah chris is right his influence is felt throughout the rest of that show and um it, it's cool the impact that he has on the desco but that's my senpai character um i will pass it on to chris no you won't because i'm oh. a moderator oh well, well then you pass it on chris <laughs> favorite senpai well, how could how could I not mention the senpaiest of senpais, Roy Fokker? Oh, oh damn you! <laughs> hey, that's what you get for passing it to me first. That's okay. That's okay. Roy Fokker, huh? That's the man, dude. Uh, Mr. Pineapple oh. Salad himself. <laughs> what 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 could you not like about this guy? Ace pilot, drunk, pervert, <laughs> womanizer. <laughs> so so tough. He doesn't. He, I don't need no medical attention. <laughs> I don't need no medical attention, even though there's all these holes that got shot through me. Oh, my gosh. Give, give, me, give me a drink, a guitar, pineapple salad, and a hot black chick, and I'm, all, I'm, I'm ready to go. He likes his drinks like he likes his women. Oh, man. But, yeah, Roy um, Roy was the first character I ever saw um, to, to, in, 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 in an animated TV series die off. And uh, it always will stick with me. I mean, that episode always... And definitely not uh, ambiguously. No, no, no. The, the whole episode had that vibe. Episode 18 of uh, Macross and uh, Robotech the Macross Saga, which is where I first uh, saw him represented. It was, he, a, it, um, was a, it was a doom and gloom episode. <laughs> it was, because, you know, he was... It was almost like he was, like, he was fulfilling uh, his, his last... His last duty, basically. <laughs> and you got that vibe the whole episode. He was trying to help out Rick, who was a, was our Rick or Hikaru, depending on which version of the show you saw, as he was laid up in the hospital trying to bring him and um, trying to get Minmade to come see him in the hospital and, and take care of a few other things. And then he goes out to fight the Zentradi, and uh, when he comes back, those last few minutes where you spend with him and Claudia, man... <laughs> He's sitting there just playing the guitar, and um, he's bleeding out the back unbeknownst to her, and the next you know, his ass is slumped over. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) And then to pronounce his ass dead, and I'm sitting there shocked as an eight-year-old kid because, you know, I I really didn't catch on. I didn't catch on at all. I didn't think anybody would die in the show, and just the, the raw shock of that scarred me for life. Thank you, Roy. Hadn't you noticed in in the... Oh wait, no, that happens in the next episode that, yeah. that Kakazaki slash Ben Dixon gets killed. I was by that point I was numb. <laughs> wrap, but, wrap up my steak. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, man. That porterhouse. My steak. <laughs> take it to go. They sent they sent the porterhouse to his parents, wrapped in the um the UN Spacey flag. <laughs> the, the 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 extended version of that scene is I never got to eat my steak. <laughs> You know, Boom. the thing that's kind of interesting about about Roy, though, is as far as the influence he has on Hikaru, mm-hmm. you know, Hikaru definitely, he learned a lot about flying from Roy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he didn't learn enough from him about women. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that, that made that made Roy not perfect, which I I, I ultimately love about his character, because he, he's definitely flawed, and no one should go out there and fly drunk. <laughs> no, but the thing is, you know, Roy, he eventually manned up. And mm-hmm. realized that Claudia was a woman for him and made his feelings known. And then, you know, they had their time together and they were happy. Yeah. Whereas Hikaru was just, you know, so wishy-washy till the yeah. end. 
And, uh, un- and but the, the I think yeah the problem was is that Roy never did share that with uh, Hikaru and yeah. um he and never we don't, did, as the audience don't find this out until way after when, yeah when Claudia tells Roy's the story. been dead <laughs> we get a little bit of a, a visit from Roy one last time in the series later on with uh with Claudia's story to Lisa but that's a story that um Roy should have told Hikaru as well and I don't know yeah. why um they never got around <laughs> to it son sometimes <laughs> a man. Loves a woman, he has to man up. <laughs> Go in for the kill. Exactly. Well, Roy was drunk all the time, so he, he, he forgot. <laughs> he, he probably. <laughs> you, you tend to forget like, things when like you're drunk. He's like, hey, Hikaru, you like a woman, you gotta go after her like this. <laughs> Slipped his mind. <laughs> I've got to add that um, if anybody's watched the uh, the dub of uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross um, from ADV and also watched um, Nadesco the dub, the same guy does the voice for uh, both characters. Um, I forget his name is uh, Brett something, but um, if anything, it's just it's just a Brett weird Weaver? coincidence. Brett Weaver. Brett. Thank you, thank you. Not not uh, Brett, not Brett, Brett Favre. Favre. <laughs> No, no, not Brett Favre. Thank what God. Do anything. <laughs> Brett, Brett Weaver does the voice of both characters, and I, I guess that's uh, I, I, a running joke for for that voice actor that he plays uh, senpai that are destined to die. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's that's my input on Roy. All right, well, I will go to myself, and since uh, Chris stole mine, I guess I'll do the other the other big one. You know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people say it was the best nine episode show ever, and that'd have to be uh, <laughs> Connie Duff from uh, Garen Lagan, and I think. You know, the, the senpais always have a huge influence on the main character's life, but it seems like with Kanina, he really had <laughs> probably one of the largest impacts on Simone like that you've ever really seen. I mean, it, you always kind of get that feeling with the senpai characters as the guy, you know, as as the main character kind of progresses on. You know, he doesn't have to revert back to what would he do in this situation or or it had to be like a really bad situation for him to really think about it. You get like kind of that empty space there. Seemed like Kanida, he, he was always thinking about this guy. Like this guy made such a huge impact on him that, um, you know, it just, uh, he just, he was always, even, even when we see the time skip, you know, he's still, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's still thinking about this guy. And, um, you well, know, it wasn't it, just Simon in this case. It was pretty much everybody. He yeah, cast a shadow over everybody. And that was right. going to be my next point. Thanks, Soul Bro. Um, oh. <laughs> no. Anytime. <laughs> Damn, you're always trying to take over the show, man. By the way, King Arthur, pizza. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Thanks. Cap- you guys suck. <laughs> Capcom, bitch. Capcom. Give me more, give me uh, more DLC to buy. <laughs> I'll just, Capcom, I'll give you direct access to my bank account. Colors. Just take what you want. Just, 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 just hit me on the 1st and the 15th every month. <laughs> I'll pay you to take away features from my games. It, it, it always comes back to Soul Pro Ridicule. Sweet deal. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that one, like in that one. That it's one that horse that never co- gets, huh? In that one mailbag uh, uh, question there, they said you're this James May, so James May gets crapped on every episode. It's, it's that here. dead horse y'all can't beat enough. It's the gift that keeps on giving. He, he, he's he's a slow driver. You're just a, you're you're a, a battered Capcom lover. There you, there you go. I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could fulfill my role. But, but yes, back to senpais. I don't know how this turned into Soul Bro again. Sweet. Always back to him. But uh, yeah, it's Soul Bro is like always making every show about himself. <laughs> That's what it is. Every time. Much. Every time. But, just, just hogging the spotlight. Biggest ego in the on the on the podcast. But, but <laughs> go like, ahead. Go ahead. 
But like uh, like Chris had stated, yeah, he casts such a huge, huge shadow on everybody, and it's very rarely do you see it where it is like a multi-character influence like that, where it's usually you know okay, maybe the guy's girlfriend or you know maybe his wingman or something like that. But yeah, and and Gurren Lagann, it's like everybody. I mean, hell, they made a damn statue for the guy. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> which which literally shadows over. <laughs> Yeah, it's really shadows over everything. But, <laughs> the town, uh, even. Any other thoughts of Kanida before we? I'm sure Pedo Bear South is, you know, getting got that warm fuzzy feeling right now since we're talking about this. I just, don't doubt that he does. He just poured one out for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Kanida. Uh, he was a, he was he was larger than life, man. Um, I I uh, his character was a, a a big influence on a lot of people, of course, of Simone. And, um, you know, when his loss is definitely felt, but, you know, just like Guy, his, uh, his loss also has impact later on in the series. You know, he still, (laughs) he still inspires people to do what they do and, um, they learn to live life without him, you know, but, you know, be grateful that he was in their lives. And, uh, I think his character has impact. A a lot of people stopped watching the show, of course, after he died, which I still think is the stupidest reason ever. But, um, you know, not not knowing that Simone would take the best of that man and and implement it into his life and and become, I'd say, even a better man than um Canada was. But uh, I, if anything, I I, I enjoy his character and uh, I, his value in the series will always be um always be remembered. Chris, nothing. Okay, <laughs> Soul Pro, next senpai. My next senpai, um, he wasn't around for too long, also, but um, it's it's a it's a it's an odd pick, but um, I always liked uh. Oliver Inouye from uh, Mobile Suit Victory Gundam. Oh, Mr. Meet that. I'm going to destroy the large rolling battleship in, in its most impervious part where the tire is rolling. Instead of going oh. to the side and the spokes, I'm just going to hit it head on because that'll work. I'm just going to call him Mr. Goodyear. <laughs> and not only that, but while I'm doing that, I'm going to waste one of the rare V2 core fighters instead of just it's... using the dime a dozen V1 core fighters. Exactly. Woo! Yeah. But, but but luckily I gave uh, Marbet's uh, new type space baby. So glowing, <laughs> you know, give her glowing baby stuff. So it was it was it was Charlie to the Angels that were the uh, that were the strike team, and um, he he got these little kids in 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 line to, to join up with the uh, with the well, I guess the league military, and um, you know he he pretty much was the he was the man for a short period until he just died stupidly. <laughs> he died such it's like the one thing that cheapens his character. It's not like he went out in a blaze of glory. He went out in a death he could have completely avoided, and I just don't get it. I, and, I just, and, and that had no impact. <laughs> oh, it yeah. did! Have, it did have impact. It just, it just, <laughs> it just bounced. It just, it just worked itself out. It just yeah, restored. They, it, it, was like, it was like the impact of a mosquito bite. <laughs> I mean, usually, usually th- things like that. The guy, okay, maybe he does a kamikaze attack into like the bridge of the ship or something. That would make more sense. But no, I'm just gonna do it in the tire. <laughs> it's like cast to throw rocks at tanks, man. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ask, ask Palestinians. Oh they do man, it. it's a daily it's a daily occurrence over there. But yeah, um, old Oliver, man, I like this character. I just I still disagree on how Tamino decided to to murk him. But what can you do? It's it. <laughs> What's done is done. But um, that's any any. You guys have any thoughts on him at all? Any any last thoughts? He he lived well. He died stupidly. <laughs> I concur. Oh well. All right. There you go, Chris. Your senpai.
I'll go with uh, one that's a little less obvious, but definitely still a senpai, and that is Ryu Jose. Oh, that is the man. Oh, man. You know, he... uh, Back when back when Bright removed Amuro from the Gundam and threw him in the slammer, Ryu was the one who believed in Amuro and pushed for him and said, "Hey, you know this kid's got skill. You shouldn't just uh, you know throw him out of there and you know give him a chance, yada yada." And uh, talk about being a soldier. This guy gets shot up and still wants to fight. Yep. And even uh, dragging himself into the core fighter and uh, taking down uh, Hamon yeah. just to save the white base. Yep, pretty much. Pulling Amaro's bacon out the fire. (laughs) (laughs) And then quickly forgotten. Oh, man. That's only because uh, of another man that shows up later. But, um, yeah, Rio Jose, man. His character definitely was the uh, the white-based cheerleader for for at least a time. And um, the the scene where everybody just breaks down. The Mm -hmm. the white-based cheerleader is Frau Bo. Frau Bo? (laughs) Well, she's like the. I, like, I, I, I would. I would say. I would say. Rio's. The, he's. He's. The, he's the guy. He's the glue that kept everybody kind of together. Because, like yeah. Chris said, he. He was the one that was like, "All right, Brad. I know you think that Armro is an idiot and stuff, but we really do need this guy. You guys got to make it work." And, don't, be, don't be mad, Bright. Don't be mad. <laughs> yeah. Although I do like the impact that he had on Amuro That later, when they get to uh, when they get to uh, uh, Ireland. And they're having that meeting and some suit, you know, he's like, oh, and Ryu Jose receives a posthumous three rank promotion. And mm-hmm. Amuro like just brings up and I think rightfully so like that's that's it. Yeah. What, you didn't help us out while he was alive and you're just going to hand out promotions when he's dead. That's all you're going to what, what good are you any of you people? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm glad he, I'm glad he brought him to the table for that with that because um, it just goes to show how much his death meant to those who didn't know him. And, um, you know, it just seemed to be another uh, matter of fact situation for for the higher ups to just to give him a, that two that three rank promotion when. um. Which they, is, they sh- I mean, useless. I mean, what what, yeah. what does that accomplish? That, after the fact, the guy's dead. What does that mean? You, you yeah. didn't help. You didn't help us when we needed it, and he's dead because of it. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. a name only, unless he's got a wife and child that you know is going to get some kind of payment afterwards. Which I mean, obviously he doesn't. Yeah, but... which he doesn't. He was a swinging bachelor. <laughs> but yeah, um, he was jumping yeah. onto white base. Jump exactly, and we're always and now he's become an internet meme because of it. He's he's definitely one of the best ones out there. Now I guess I'll go to my one, and it's going to be. Mula Flaga. Uh, he still got a, and, and not our poster, but the actually character. Um, yes, his death was then cheapened, so I don't know if he, I think his senpai status got kind of revoked. And that, <laughs> senpai has to die, but it's, but we won't go into Destiny. I don't need uh-huh. to talk about that anymore. But uh, I'll just go in the Seed universe. Um, you know, here's a guy again, which is, he's kind of interesting because for a lot of the most part of that show, he's he's kind of unsure even about his own abilities, especially once he gets over to the strike. I mean, he's, even though he's still kicking ass, he's still kind of like, eh, it's, it's no big deal. I really don't know what I'm doing. And Kira's better than him and, you know, better than me. And, you know, he, he's that, he's that guy that kind of guides Kira with like, you know, he's, he's the, you know, the war hero. He's seen all his friends die. He's got all this stuff going on and he's kind of helping Kira through the whole thing, transitioning from, you know, crying Kira to non-crying Kira, which, you know, <laughs> was like every episode there for that first half of the show was uh, some Kira cry fest, you know? So, um, but you know, he ended up being kind of a senpai for that. And of course, um, he becomes a senpai and the lust of Captain Jiggles. So, yes, dude. 
And um, <laughs> you know, he, unlike uh, Oliver, who had a stupid death, this guy had the very heroic death where he actually saved the ship, uh, <laughs> blocking the um, blocking the battleship cannon. But unfortunately, um, uh, the, the sea boobies. But anything else on Rula Flaga, guys? Before you, before we move on to Solbro. I, I always saw him as a kind of a remix version of um, of Slager Law. Um, you know, kind of a guy who's a modern day take on that 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 character. And um, he, always, he always seemed to me like uh, a, a hybrid of like Slager and Roy, kind of like 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's he didn't have the alcoholism that Roy did. <laughs> but but he, he did def- have the perversion. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, he did have the perversion, and he he definitely had the um, he had that risk taking factor that Roy did because Roy, you know, Roy was an acrobat, so mm-hmm. he always had that kind of that risk thing in him. But yeah, he, also, he also had the ability to just make uh, Captain Jiggles' heart go all a flutter the way that uh, Slegger did with Mirai. Yep. Yeah. If if anything, um, he also didn't go to the school of uh, Sean Connery slapping women. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Slager. Well, he didn't have to, but he was so smooth that uh, he could win over uh, Captain Captain Ramius without without any of that um, domestic violence. Although um, Slager Slager's in the class by himself. But um, yeah, if anything, Mula Flaga. He um, he was uh, he was he was cool. I mean, at first uh, I, I didn't warm up to his character until after uh, he and uh, he and Kira bonded. Yeah. But um, you know, when he when he finally got the uh, the strike, man, that guy was in the zone for the rest of the show. <laughs> and, and they and they and they had a weird. They had a weird relationship because, yeah, you always have that. You always seems like that big brother, little brother type of thing. Mm-hmm. But even even it seemed like they were Moo kind of downplayed that a little bit, where he was always he was trying to be there for him, and he realized that you know he's like, oh, you know, I know Kira's probably seeing me as a brother, but you know, I still want him to be, know that I'm his friend more than anything. Yeah. So. But anything else, guys? And, and on top of that, he was a new type too. I, honestly, to me, the um, only character in the show that was nearly as cool as he was was um, DT. Man. DT and DT wasn't in the show nearly as much as Moo was. So. And 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 of course, he had character resurrection too. And yes, indeed. That's another th- another factor that they but, share. But he's he <laughs> he's more Ramba Raw. Yeah, that's true. Snows, there's no Baku boy. Snows. <laughs> <laughs> You excite me, Kira. Come play with me, boy. Come out in the desert here and fight me, boy. Ooh, uh. but anything else? No, that's that's it for me on um All right, on so all move. You have the floor. Well, here's a guy who defied convention. Um, he ended up not dying. But they sure did um, cock tease you in, in, with his death throughout the um, throughout the episode where it, it that you suspected it would happen. I'm talking about Ozma from um, from old Macross Frontier, man. That guy. Can he can he really count because he didn't die? <laughs> hey man, they didn't come through, man. They made pineapple cake, not salad. Uh. <laughs> But um, no, he was a senpai in a sense. I mean, he, he fulfilled his role as being a senpai. Not all senpais do die. Um, there are a few that do stick around. Yeah. I, I mean, if anything, some of them, some of them refused to, some of them refused to die, and Ozma was one of them. And uh, he was cool. I don't think he was as uh, as potent a senpai as say Roy was, but you know, he had his moments, and he helped get up. Uh, the kids and uh, the people in the squad, you know, he, he acted like a big brother to all of them. Plus, he was a, he was literally a big brother to his uh, sister Ronka, as we know as um, Neo's favorite character. But <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is the one strike against him because oh. if he didn't save her, we wouldn't have to deal with her. So <laughs> they would have probably 
<laughs> they probably would have. Well, it would have been a different show and probably a better yeah, show. Well, for damn. It, so, but um, well, nothing we could do about that. <laughs> but uh, Ozma was cool, and uh, and uh, plus uh, he ended up getting his old flame back. So I thought that was uh awesome too. And um, old Ozma, what do you guys think about him? Well, he uh, he definitely bucked the trend by living. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's the stuff that he does after that, like um, you know, pushing Alto to uh, to think about what he's doing when that whole thing happens of the split between the frontier and the quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, and how can you how can you not uh, go for uh, uh, a guy who screams out, "I'm not an adult, I'm a man." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. What I would expect from a fan of Fire Bomber. <laughs> it, it, and uh, that he's got that going for him too. He's a Fire Bomber fanboy, so he 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 gets plus points for that. Mm-hmm. Also, he's voiced by the same guy who did Kamina. Yeah. In Gurren oh, Lagann. So right on. <laughs> some some vindication for that senpai. It wasn't it wasn't he guy from uh, Gal Gygar? No. It, it, no, he okay, was okay. Uh, Volfog. Oh, okay. That's oh, right. snap. That's right. Yeah, I knew that. Right. I knew it was in there somewhere. So. <laughs> Yeah, old old Ozma, man. That guy was uh, and plus he had uh, didn't he have a facial scar too? He did, and he uh, he got the uh, hot woman. So that's how, right. and everything works out for him pretty add much. Po- add points to his cool factor, man. Ozma was awesome. You know, and... things don't work out for her because you know her her dad gets full of bullet holes, but that's that's <laughs> not really his problem. And of course, he's there to comfort her in whatever way she needs. There you go. Oh, oh yeah, you... that uh, I forgot the episode that was uh, directed by Martin Martin Scorsese with Scorsese. the. Uh, <laughs> You know, with the the freaking uh, the the mob hit at the uh, in the tunnel there. <laughs> hey, use come over hey, here, guys. Uh, use thinks use the presidents of the frontiers. Well, I don't like use. You're going down. I don't. Your oh, days are up. The I'm jig is you, over. I'm making you like cheese, like Swiss cheese, full of holes. They perforated. They perforated him and his party. <laughs> but anything else on Ozma? No, I'm good, Chris. We're gonna stray away from the uh, sci-fi, the sci-fi end of the spectrum a little bit, and switch over. Go to Escaflone, Valgus. Oh yeah, yeah. Valgus, man. This, this is a guy who I think got more screen time, screen time dead than he did alive. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty true. <laughs> he was he was the master swordsman of Fanelia. He taught Vaughn how to fight. He taught Adam how to fight. And this is a guy who, you know, everyone just knew his name and his reputation of this guy is a, a skilled swordsman and you don't mess with this guy or anyone trained by him. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yep. He was. I mean, for only only being in, um, what is it? He, he, all lie, he was only in the episode. second episode. Yeah, the second episode. And then he, he went out fighting, man. And um, just to see him take down a mech with that huge ass sword. Hey, that man, I, I don't know how he could just get killed so easily. It, it's, it still hurts me to this day to see him die. He would have been such an asset to the crew if he was still around. But that's what senpais do. They perish. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I, I i can't add much more to that i think uh i think valgus was an awesome senpai and um and it gave it gave van at least some kind of uh some kind of ability and the, the rest was uh on him to to grow from that but yeah valgus was the shit all right so any other ones before we close up because uh, i'm sure we could probably just go on and on but you know that that would work out great for the the forum so uh well i i I, I was going to mention another one that's pretty major as far as senpais go. Mm-hmm. Who's that? The Undefeated of the East. Yes. Oh, yeah. Woo! We'd be remiss if we didn't mention him. Yeah. Was Master Asia. Master yes. Asia. And um, had one of the greatest deaths. One of the greatest death scenes I have ever seen in anime. 
I it it it, it, it makes a it makes a hard man want to want to come to tears. It really does. He's sees he was such an awesome character, a little bit uh uh misguided in his in his in his thought process, but he had his uh he had his um he had his reasons and you can somewhat relate to them depending uh, when you look at it from his viewpoint, but Master Asia was awesome in everything that he did. The thing about Master Asia that I love is that he's such a senpai that for all of his villainy Mm-hmm. And yeah. all of the stuff that he does to Domon, Domon can't completely turn away from him. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. He can't because he just he just looks up to the guy so damn much, and so much of who he is comes from his years spent with this guy that he just can't reject him, even when he does all these horrible things. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, and the, oh, I was gonna say, kind of like Kamina, uh, he's uh, he's kind of larger than life when it comes to other people too, because I mean, uh, of his fighting record and everything like that. So. Yeah, I mean, he's he was a force to be reckoned with. He won. He he was one of the guys who won the Gundam fight. He was the the previous King of Hearts. Mm-hmm. And this, mm-hmm. this is a dude who had lots of power. This is a guy who, you know, like Balgus, takes on Mecha barehanded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And can do so much damage, even as a sick, dying old man. Yes. <laughs> that you know, guys in the prime of their youth just can't compete. The fact that yeah. he was able to fight for so long without having any DG cells inside of him shows how powerful he was, even in his weak state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was he was suffering from what mystery cough up blood disease. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the the the, wor- the worst of all anime elements, <laughs> even worse than cancer. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's a cool way to die, though. It's a cool way to die. <laughs> Indeed, it is. But you know, and I like it was pretty touching in his death scene when. Um, when Domon's there with him and uh, they do the little recital and, you know, uh, he, he asked Domon, like, you would still call me master? Mm-hmm. Like, even he's shocked that even after all that he's done, that Domon won't reject him. It's just that Domon always still had a space in his, um, in his heart for, um, for, for, for Master Asia, even though um, of all the betrayal that he, he caused him and all the, all the damage that he had done. You could see that he didn't complete straight out hate him. And um, in the end, they both came to uh, they both they, they both they both they both settled things. They 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 did, even though it resulted in one of their deaths. They were able to uh, to come together at the end, and I thought that was uh, a, a really fitting end for for Master Asia to be taken out by his pupil, who had seen who had surpassed him. Yeah, well, that's every kung fu movie. So. Yeah, they, they, well, I mean that, that's that's not something you often see in Gundam. But no. <laughs> well, no, but yeah, but. But Master Asia definitely is up there. Oh yeah. Uh, Soul Bro, last one. Well, um, last ones. I'm amazed you didn't bring this up, but uh, there's one last one I like to name, and he's also in the Gundam series. Good old Jane- Jamil Neat. That yeah, guy he, was. He's uh, he's not only senpai slash captain. Woo, awesome he's the, captain. He, is, yeah. he, he, served, he served two purposes and lived because he's so cool. And, and wore Ray Bans the entire time. And got the woman at the end. And got the woman yeah. at the end. And and was running shit at the end. Jesus, man. And got- and helped <laughs> and helped Garrett get the his woman in the end. Dude, man, he was and he was like he was like old coach, man. He was the the, the pop warner of Gundam. <laughs> which taught- is. Uh-huh. Which is funny, given that you know technically, in when you find out who he is, mm-hmm. he really should just be uh, a low rent Amaro. Yeah, <laughs> so surpasses that. 
Yeah, it's it's like Amaro, but cooler. Yeah, because he 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 was he was a lead of a but not screwed up. Exactly, he was he was a lead in that universe in his own right. Then got older and became badass without even having to be in a suit. And when he had to pilot a suit, he uh, you know he 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 didn't even have to use his 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 powers that got him famous in the first place in order to take people on. Well, the be- uh-huh. the best the best part is when he shows Garrett how to fight a new type yes. without being a new type or Absolutely. having new type powers, and it's like. He's like, you know, you just got basically it was you got to believe in yourself and do what you you know you can do mm-hmm. and you can beat anyone. And it's like that's like the definition of what any senpai would do, you know, help instill confidence like ridiculously amount in there. So that's when Coach Neat came out. Coach Neat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was that was uh that was an awesome set of episodes where he taught him how to do that and just get the most out of his piloting ability. That um it, that guy's talent pool is endless. But yeah, um he wore a lot of hats in that that series, and I, I gotta I gotta give it up to Jamil Nate, man, great character. Yeah. So, but should, should we give any any uh, honorable I'll, mentions to evil senpais? Oh, um, we Sen- could uh, senpais for villains. <laughs> well, before we do that, I also want to throw out a uh, honorable mention to um, to uh, to uh, Slugger Law. I've mentioned him several times, but even though his tenure was short in Mobile Suit Gundam, he was also a pretty good senpai too. Yeah, uh, but he 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 was he was always more like love triangle guy though. He was he was senpai, but he was also kind of love triangle guy with uh, Mirai and Bright and all that too. But so. he, he bestowed a little bit of a uh, a little bit of uh, a, a gem and wisdom onto uh, Amaro as well. Uh, well, he, in a few he, got, he made Armro get pissed off, like yeah. beyond belief, <laughs> when he died. I mean, he was like the, he was like the, he was like the catalyst of that. So mm-hmm. he was uh, I, well, yeah, basically, he was the catalyst of that. But yeah, I, I, I got to say, he filled in he filled in uh, Ryu shoes to some degree after uh, oh, Ryu died. And I have one honorable mention. That I was saying he's not from an anime, which oh. is kind of interesting. But um, and it's um, in, in uh, Captain Pike in the new uh, Star Trek. He was oh, the yeah. senpai to, ca- to uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk, basically, which was a, a cool take in, in you know using something like that in that type of universe. Because yes, I mean, he, he completely believed in him, and then he ended up becoming you know uh, the most awesome of the Star Trek captains. So, <laughs> unfortunately, he was still fated to end up in a wheelchair. <laughs> At least, I mean, at least at not least, a full power paralegic, though. So, yeah. thing, he, he got off a little lighter. Well, than at, he least he, at least he can retire, you know? <laughs> yeah. Was, instead of just being the two button guy. Or, or. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the beep guy, right? One one for yes or two for no or something, whatever it was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he had, like, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' face. So. <laughs> I thought they'd have. I thought they would have proactive in the uh, in the future. <laughs> I guess someone forgot the formula. <laughs> so, okay, evil senpai is. Uh, uh, I, I want to throw out uh, two who both come from Zeta Gundam. Uh, the the first is Lila Mira Lila. Yeah. Who definitely is the 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 bad senpai for uh, for Jared because. You know, she tries to get him to be less of a dick and mm-hmm. to be a better pilot, and she has a very long-lasting effect on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Despite Does getting she... killed early on. Boy, did she ever! <laughs> Damn you, Tamino. <laughs> and she's yeah, so okay. she's the only female senpai we have mentioned so far. Yeah, there really aren't that many. Mm-mm. You know, and it's like he keeps trying to avenge her death, and then ends up getting other people killed. <laughs> so then he has to avenge like their deaths in addition to hers, and never does. He, he had a lot of avenging to do. 
Yes, he did. And he, he never accomplished any of it. <laughs> All the way up to his demise. <laughs> um, no, one, no one was around to avenge his ass. Because <laughs> nobody cared. Nobody gave a shit. Another one who definitely is, is a, a, a bad bad senpai, uh, Sirocco. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, yeah. Definitely a bad senpai for both uh, <laughs> Rekoa and Sarah. Man, he totally, totally <laughs> effed them girls up. Because they, they can't stop obsessing about him. Even in, even in death, they're trying to save his ass. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Don't kill Master Pathomus. But that's just how much that's how, just how strong his pimp hand was, though, for certain. That guy, yeah. he's, he's affected chicks in the afterlife. Him in, in the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> that's a smooth player right there, dude. No doubt, no doubt. Well, um, any other evil, sem- any other evil senpais y'all can think of, or um, I can't even really think of one. Maybe uh, homeboy off of Battler Dunbine. What was his name? Um, Burn Bunnings. For a little oh. bit, he was he was uh, he was he was bad senpai to our our favorite racist um, dude oh, from yeah. Boston. Oh yeah, Todd for, Guinness. Todd yeah. Guinness, man. This the, the town got the town of Boston got spared because of his ass. <laughs> which, well, which, which of all the U.S. cities should be the first one blown up? <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's more he's more pathetic loser. But. <laughs> <laughs> But he was a little bit of a senpai character for a while. Too bad uh, he he lost his shit. But yeah, I'll throw out one last honorable mention of good senpai. Mm-hmm. This this one's pretty sad. Uh, from SPT Lazner, mm-hmm. Amos Gale. Yeah. Oh. He's he's the senpai to Eiji, the main character, and um, technically going to see this this guy's a senpai of senpais because he was going to be Eiji's brother-in-law. Yeah. Right. He was supposed to marry Eiji's sister, and unfortunately, uh, conflict put them on opposite sides, rather like uh, Doan and Master Asia. But mm-hmm. until the very end, you know, the neither of them wanted to fight each other seriously. Right. Until unfortunately, Lazner's uh, V Max kicked in, which basically is just Blue Trans Am, <laughs> and uh, the Lazner on its own killed Amos. Oh wow. Which then led uh, A.G.'s sister Julia to think that he murdered her fiancé and had her going after him. So that that was even more drama as a result of this. Oh, man. That shit just ramps up in that show. <laughs> it sure does. It's, it's, it's definitely a... a senpai because, you know, he and A.G. were very close and A.G. always believed in him and looked up to him even though they were on opposite sides of the conflict and this guy you know he tried his best not to kill ag and he wanted to bring him in and uh settle things without bloodshed right yeah so i just got... couldn't compare to blue trans am <laughs> blue trans am <laughs> I, I i have one last of like a senpai gone wrong that can can affect the kid horribly i do that, too but go ahead. that would be old uh because when chris brought this up about laser brought me back to um uh, what's his face? Ali from uh, Double O. <laughs> not not a good bro- big brother figure, cause yeah, poor sets the yeah he looked up to that kid when he, he looked up to that guy when he was little, but man, he totally effed him up. Uh, kids, you should kill your parents <laughs> if you want to be a holy warrior in God's crusade. <laughs> you got a new dad. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need him. Time for some tough love. I mean, made that kid an unfeeling killing machine, and uh, really just goes has sets that go batshit crazy the first time he shows up 
it's like oh my god <laughs> so yeah that's 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 senpai gone wrong so well i have one last senpai gone wrong and um i don't think he could have gone right um with this uh, with the character that he was senpai for um our man uh atherin from seed destiny uh he was senpai to uh the old uh, old shin but there was no saving shin no saving <laughs> Yeah, but he was, pretty, he was a pretty piss-poor senpai. And that's why he got the F out. Being an indecisive little bitch most of the time. Yeah. Like, Look at me. I don't know what to do. I'm going to repeat my character art from Seed for no reason, even though I already learned my lessons. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, chew on that for a little bit, Jabman, before oh. you argue that he's such an important uh, main character or whatever the hell. Character regression, man. All about it. But yeah, Atherin, uh, he had a little bit of a stint as a uh, as a senpai, much like uh, another honorable mention, uh, um, uh, Quattro Pagina. At least for a small period, he was a senpai too. But yeah, that's the, to an extent, yeah, it's, it's Camille. So, but, but I'm 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 all out. And it, all right, well, uh, thank I you. I got nothing more because you know we could just go on forever, but obviously we don't intend to. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and please don't express your outrage on the comments of I can't believe you didn't mention blank person because we never intended to mention every blank person from every blank series. It, it would be a 16-hour-long segment, and uh, just can't. And do even that. then, someone would still say I can't believe you didn't mention <laughs> blank person from blank series. <laughs> but feel free to put in your suggestions for senpais that we that we did not talk about in this episode in the thread. We're not Without trying to switch it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, but uh, thanks to Moo for his suggestion, and uh, we'll be back in a little bit with uh, more. And you're listening to Gundam and MHQ. God damn it! Look, people, this is chaos! In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is not that podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Hey, how it going, dude? Next time on Shinjuku Fight Club. That's why it's got a special place on the show. <laughs> It's no third strike. No, it definitely isn't. It was good. Like let's let's say you know with Marvel the whole update there, it was needed, and especially mm-hmm. game Marvel because you know people are gonna be finding new stuff on that all the time. Yeah. So they're gonna be finding exploits that you know I'm sure they're still finding stuff, and so <laughs> sure. so updates can be a good thing, mm-hmm. but in this case it just seems like you know you know Capcom knew when when they were making Arcade Edition, people spoke up and said you know these these twins man they're they're a uh, little little strong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as we saw Daigo change his character to Yon, that right there should tell you something. He's been a, a Ryu player from Jump, so yeah. why would he be? Why would he be switched? For, oh, now we can see why. Yes, he didn't. He didn't win Evo with him, but still, the fact that it would make him change his character that much goes to show you, like right there, that 
Something's going on. For him, it's like switching religions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next on Shinjuku Fight Club. Be tough or be dead, big guy. Ready? Go. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal. That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a Gun. damn about your personal life. Start talking. Welcome back. This is Neo, and this was episode 85 that you listened to. In this episode, we started off a Pat Labor Roundup with the first OVA series. Uh, then we got to the, the long-delayed, uh, not really long-delayed, but the episode or two delayed uh, topic of uh, senpais, some of the best senpais out there, as, uh, as suggested by uh, submitter Mula Flaga. Uh, anything... Uh, Chris, that you need any MHQ news that needs to be put out there before uh, we get out of here? Uh, nothing worth mentioning. Okay. Solbro, anything um, Capcom Warriors website or something? <laughs> you know. No, no. I just I, I want to thank uh, Jamet again for, for coming on for that short stint and um, check out um, his podcast along with The Foul Sorceress, which is uh, sbopodcast.blogspot.com. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Uh, Neo just appeared on there recently, and you can check out episode 24, where the debate rages on. But um, outside of that, definitely check out these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. mahq.net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And last but not least, Shinjuku Station has a movie podcast. Shinjuku Station at the Movies can be found at shinstation.blogspot.com. And back to you, Neil. All right, and like always, support our sponsors, Champs and Petco. School starting and... You always need something on your feet, and you don't want your animals going hungry. So definitely <laughs> definitely uh, support them. When you support them, you support us. And um, like always, the open invitation to Sir Bay and the Admiral for the interview is always open. I can always arrange it now where you don't have to deal with Chris or Solbro if you feel that they're going to be mean to you. So, um, you know, remember, it's me, and I'll, uh, I'll officially Sir Bay. You know, that'll, that'll be a great honor. So anything else before we go, guys? No. Nope. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in a few weeks with episode 86. The countdown has begun to 100. So we'll be like an old Japanese uh, lady pretty soon. We'll be like 124. So, but uh, all right. We'll see you guys in a few weeks. Later. Yeah. Uh-huh. References to things we love every day And I thought about when you're listening to the comics in your mind References like to say that I'm listening to talk away But you leave it for
for examples, cause it's all about those words, yeah. When you're trying to understand what the difference from Robotech is, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got lots of transformer qualities, but it's a series unto itself. Robotech, which one came first, Transformers or Robotech? Opposite, Robotech came first. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. Look here. Now I cut you off a half because I know you're too big a fool to take your share from that white girl yourself. Hey, man, look, if you need somebody to run them streets with you again, just give me a call, because you know how to put some money in this pocket. All right.